0: Hello, I'm Mike McCorn, and I'm at New York Comic Con. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. On the road
1: again. That's the launch codes. They should do that at NASA. When, when, whenever they will eventually, I'm sure they'll eventually launch another rocket. They shouldn't do the old mission control 10, 9. They should just do the woo, and then, and then rocket goes off. I think, it's th- I think it's fitting. Why not? Get in repeat it. By the way,
2: right before we start recording, Beth says to me, "Oh hey, so uh, one of Holden, who is as you guys know my ten year old, one of his friends loves comics." So his friend's mom says to Beth, oh, you know, my son loves comics. And he started listening to Jason's podcast. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) Beth's like, well, I've never listened to it. (laughs) But but I'm very sure that because he's told me many times it's definitely for adults. It's, It's not appropriate for kids. And the mom's like, oh. Well, thank you for telling me. I didn't <laughs> know that. And I was thinking, oh, God. What if I expose this child to? Seriously,
1: my nightmare is that Beth says, hmm, I haven't listened to Jason's show. And she just randomly picks one episode with me saying, your wife is so fine, Oh, <laughs> I'd be like, mm. Well, it is well, the truth. Then, I, I'll take the bullet for that. And then I guess uh, Beth said that
2: Holden said to her, because Holden's a very much a rule follower, oh, well, Yeah, um, his friend, he told me that something dad said on the show, and I couldn't believe it. (laughs) And I was like, oh no. Oh God. What is happening? My worlds are colliding.
1: Oh,
0: shit.
1: That's pretty awesome, though. It is. Love it. And we hope this turns out to be something pretty awesome. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 637. And I'm Vince B.
0: Oh, you are, Vince B. And I am David A. Price.
2: I can validate that. And, of course, I am Rod Serling.
1: Aw, you got that book? You obviously have because you're saying it. So we'll talk about it. I didn't read it yet, but I want to hear about it. But you're not Rod Serling. Number one, you don't smoke. That's true. You don't comb your hair to the side. There's not much there.
2: I'm not five before.
1: Yes, but you I'm are five. incredibly creative and talented. So you could be Rod Serling. I love the people that say, I love Rod Sterling. Like Sterling, obviously, yes. Obviously you don't because you, you can't say the name right. But I, I, I fuck up a lot of words. <laughs> Sterling is not one of them. But you're Jason Wood, everybody in the house. And I'm peering into the Twilight Zone now. And I can tell you, each and every one of you listening to this, that you are going to get the absolute lowest price for your comic books, periodicals, graphic novels, and all their stuff that's in the previews catalog. Why do I know this? Well, because I'm looking through the Twilight Zone into Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. You get all your books for a fraction of what everybody else is paying. Here's a, a trio of books. From Antarctic, it's Planet Comics, number one. We got the return. It's actually the 80th anniversary of Planet Comics, and Antarctic is doing a special limited series. Mike Vosberg is attached to this. Why would you turn away? Captain Future? Come on, people. It's uh, $3.99 cover price. You are going to get it for $1.99. That's 50% off, and that is rare for an, an- Antarctic title. From Image, This series premiere, Protector Number 1 from Simon Roy, uh, Daniel M. Benson, Artyom Trakinoff, love this dude. Jason Wardy, yes. And Hassan Atsmane Elahu. This is the uh, first of what I hope is a very long series. $3.99 cover price. Art on that cover is by James Stokoe, people. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. And you can take it to your little abode for $1.99. Last but certainly not least, it's a rarity, Action Labs Danger Zone pops up on the uh, DCBS roll call. This is something called Twin Worlds, number one. I read the solicitation last week. It's very long, very involved. And um, it looks like SF, not sci-fi. So for whatever road you like to take, if you like the space opera or if you like the hard SF, this looks like it's a little bit somewhere in the middle. But uh um, Written by Rami Al-Ashkar, with art by Jethro Morales. It looked good to my eyes, so that's why I'm pimping it. $3.99 cover price, you can have it. ninety nine. What? It's a trend. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books delivered right to your door. It's easier than ordering pizza. And it tastes better than pizza. Because it feeds your brain, not your not your belly. DCBService.com. I'm beating the shit out of this dead horse. Mm. Yep. It just twitched. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, drink roll call. Mm. I got a special one. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Well, it's special because it's in honor of someone who has passed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would like to pour a bottomless one out for our man, Tom Spurgeon. Yeah. Yes. He of the Comics Journal and Comics Reporter. Tom died recently. He was only 50 freaking years old. Yeah. And uh, not only the Comics Reporter website. I mean, I, if I tried to um, tally the amount of joy and information I got from the Comics Reporter website, it would still pale into comparison from his uh, the amount of same that I derived from his tenure at the Comics Journal. Uh, Spurgeon's been around forever. Seemingly, um, and we're going to miss him. He was a a major figure, uh, honest, um, very opinionated reporter, but uh, the dude was on the money most of the time. Loved the Bronze Age. He was one of us, and uh, and I'll miss him. I am drinking. We'll miss him. From Concha y Toro, this is Casillero del Diablo. Yep. The red blend from, yes. from Chile in 2017. I mm-hmm. don't make a point of going anywhere two hours before the show. I have my little stupid rituals that I do. I, I, I don't go anywhere, but I didn't have any wine. And I'm looking at this stack of yingling cans in the garage. I'm like, no, I don't want it. I'm going to go get something. And uh, I pulled my son down to the, the, the wine store. And I got 3 bottles of wine. This is the first of which I will be drinking.
0: That's great.
1: Casillero del Diablo. I think it stands for castle of the devil?
0: <laughs> You're so bilingual.
1: Yes. That I is that,
0: that is good stuff.
1: I think castillo is castle. So Casillero may be a a, a permutation of of that. I don't know. But it's something of the devil. Red blend, why not? I've had it before. Devil on the bottle. I enjoy it. And I'm drinking it in my Renegade Winery class. I use it every week. I love it. Mm. It means devil locker. Oh, nice. The devil locker. (laughs) You left your panties in the devil locker. Yes. So go, take it away.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm glad you, you led with, with Spurgeon's passing. Cause it's like you said, he's our contemporary. I mean, he's, 50, he's 51 50, years old.
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah. I, 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 uh, that's squarely in our, that's kind of like the, uh, the mean age for the three of us, I guess. Right. Yes. Close to it. If, if yeah. you average it just together. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, you knew, I think you know much more about him, Vince, than, than I did in the sense that, uh, I always like had respect for him. Uh, but I, I don't, I didn't. I wasn't a regular reader of his uh, stuff, Um, but he seemed like one of those people that was just uh, the ultimate insider. Everybody knew him. Yes. Um, But I was stunned by um, when he did pass the pictures. Now, I don't know. The earliest pictures I saw were at the 2012 Eisner's um, where he was quite fit and, and a pretty handsome guy. And then all the other pictures I saw subsequent to that, he was very heavy. Yeah, he went up and down. So is he He was a yo-yo? Uh, like, so I, that's what I was wondering. Like, in 2012, did he happen to be on one of those things where he just got super fit? But then was he a heavy guy before that? Yeah, I, I think I got... it
1: was for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met him, he was he was not as heavy as he was recently. But he he was a pretty big guy. Do, do we know what happened to him? I, I still it, haven't seen I, it. I haven't managed to root that out. It just, tastefully, most of them just say... Tom Spurgeon comics reporter dies at fifty and yeah. and really that's all we need to know, right yeah um I mean, it would be nice to know uh not to distribute the information, but to as a cautionary tale, as if like maybe he just died of of i mean that's a lot of strain on the heart when you're that big, yeah, yeah. you know um, then you go back and forth like.
2: yeah because i mean he was he was posting on the on his website the day before.
1: Well, he was relentless with the website. Yeah, yeah I, right. But I guess
2: my point being, it wasn't like he was infirmed or like in a hospital somewhere for months. Right. Uh,
1: well, that's the way to uh, go, right? I guess.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I even I don't even know offhand if he was married or had kids. I don't. I don't know if you know, that would be tough. I would hope, in that regard, I'd rather have a chance for everybody that loved him to say goodbye. But um,
1: the thing I loved most about the Comics Reporter website was the. Lack of pretentiousness with the presentation. Tom's like, here's a bunch of words. Fuck you if you're looking for great design. Right, right. This is just an info dump. Read it or don't. And it that, was old school. Yeah, very old school. And, you know, there, there were graphics running up and down the side, and you have some embedded here and there. But for the most part, it was just words. And that's right. really all you needed with Tom.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, that's a long-winded way of saying I'm drinking. I'm not I should have had an alcoholic beverage to toast the man. I I, 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 I that's my bad on that. Uh I am drinking uh a glass of hot tea uh and then I have uh ice water after that. So
1: hot Fine. and it's, it's pretty it, anticlimactic. It's not a hot toddy.
2: It is not a hot toddy. It is mm. it's just uh good old fashioned hot
1: tea. Well that's good enough. I mm. like I like tea colder it gets the more of that you'll be drinking. Yeah.
0: Dad? I almost made a hot toddy for tonight. Mm. Um I uh we have no tea bags in the house. We have one <laughs> we have one tea bag and it's, it's I know. I know. We have we have um there's one tea bag in the house and it's 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 from a box it's it's the last from a um from a box of, uh, hibiscus dream that my wife bought from, um, Dunkin' Donuts. So, um, I didn't want to waste that cause I can't taste it. And, and, um, and yeah, so I just, so I am finishing off the last of the, um, of the monkey shoulder blended Scotch whiskey. Um, just so that I have something that's, that, that, that's somewhat warm. It, it's, it, Comics Reporter was one of the sites that, whenever I was using a new RSS catcher, that was always one of the first feeds. Right. Entered into it, yep. and and I I, I have my I have my comics category. I I have my news. I have my tech, and and yeah, and and whether it's you know it it it's it's Tom, it's the beat it's it's to johnston it's it's you know so I, I i have the few that you know it's warren ellis it's everybody that i throw in there and and comics reporter is always without a doubt um was always one of the first feeds in there It it's it was just it was it was nice to to just read read from you know there wasn't like it didn't feel Newsy. It didn't feel like it, it, someone had an agenda. It was it it, it was a blog, and and yeah. I just I, I enjoyed reading from someone who, a little older than I am, but but has the same has the same love of the media and of of the hobby. Uh, not so much of the industry, but just you know this I this is what I read. This is what I'm going to talk about, write about, and and it was it it was nice. It was comfortable. It was it was like it was like a pair of blue jeans. It was just I I really. Looks forward to, to to reading
1: it every day. Well, I hope someone, whether it's Spurgeon's surviving family or maybe someone at Fantagraphics, goes through, and I, I hope they've backed up all of that stuff because it would be really nice to have a book or a series of books that would chronicle Tom's work on the Comics Reporter. I think it's very deserving mm-hmm. of a. Uh, print don't you think um
2: don't you think we'll we'll see that from uh his mentor
1: maybe but who can say you know i mean i'm i'm just going back to the association he had with the journal i mean he was he was editor for a bunch of years i'm guessing 10 in the 90s so uh i think thematically or not uh, spiritually i think that's the best... Fantagraphics is the best place for this stuff.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Gary, don't you think Gary Groth will... I hope. Mm-hmm.
1: But... I mean, if, if you look at all the people that... Very, very pronounced individuals in the comic book industry that have passed that are associated with Fanagraphics. Like, it's... Uh, Tom kim thompson i mean there, there's been uh, a bunch that that seem to have touched fanographics in some way and then uh well it, it is the the human that one of the traits of being human that people pass so i guess it's just law of averages but um stop dying people yeah stop it
2: so just double checked. he was the editor of the of the journal from 94 to 99 there you go yeah
1: his issues are really good well that goes without saying the journal's always really good well not it's not it's not but Mm -hmm. his issues are really good Mm -hmm. i don't want to bury the lead there we go yeah speaking of burying the lead what are we going to talk about here y'all
0: do we have any thank yous
1: i don't interesting okay oh wait i do okay then are you talking about jay gonzo Because I just got uh, La Mano del Destino,
2: the final issue, the long-awaited final issue of La Mano del Destino. Yes, I haven't read it yet, though. Have you guys read it? No, unfortunately,
1: it's been sitting on my my dining room table for, I guess, like three, four days, Mm -hmm. and I I haven't opened it because, you know, busy. But, um, yeah, I'm going to get to it. I Mm want to really read them all over again because it's been a stretch since five. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there is um there is that. There is also uh the final round ten, the uh the last volume of Menagerie Three, so I want to thank Giselle for that. I do too. Um, yes. And, and I got and, that as well, and I forgot. Um stickers and which postcards. which means I will I will have to um uh have a uh, new favorite webcomic very soon in our classics, uh, which Jason will discuss later, and um, a huge, huge thanks. This is also a tie-in to one of our many EOC offshoot Facebook groups, but uh, the buy-sell-trade group. Um, the uh, the phenomenal and um, and talented uh, Scott Anderson um, put out the call that he was going to unload. Some of his single issues uh, to make room, things that he's read no longer needs, um, and for the cost of shipping, he had sets that he was giving away, and you know, first come, first serve, and whatnot. So, I um, I called dibs on um, on the Wade Avengers stuff, um, With the, and the
1: George Perez.
0: No, 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 no. The the the, the Marvel Now stuff. So it uh, oh, with yeah, with Mo and, and then Perez. with Del Mundo. Yes that was music. correct yes yeah. uh the hero's return um and the uh the errand, Doctor Strange but instead of just sending that s- sending these books for the cost of shipping um he included a awesome and this will be I'll I'll post this in the um in the episode thread on in the groups but uh a a, a I need a frame for this now but it is an awesome full color um uh drawing of Epi Thatcher, and I love it, and it's right there on the shelf uh, on the Grendel shelf um, <laughs> but it, it 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 needs a frame. I know exactly where it's going, but i I actually love it. it's on tone paper. it looks fantastic, so thank you so much for that, Scott
1: There you go. so much love so much love, all the love outpouring yes comics it's in the title. we got to talk about them. We do. Yes, we have to.
2: God stuff. All right. Well, as you correctly
0: uh, deduced, Vincent. Oh, snap! You're deducing. Deducing.
1: I love it when I deduce.
0: You love deducing. <laughs> hey, De- deduce. Uh, you
2: drop a deduce. Um, <laughs> I David. Well, first, of all, David mentioned the eleven O'Clockers, which is our annual awards. You, for those of you that have already. Taking a look at this year's ballot, you will see it's been a little streamlined. Um, after ten years of doing it, we had a little uh, meeting of the minds and decided to cut a few of the categories away. Um, just just to just to make the yeah. uh, whole process go a little little faster. And you know, there were just a few categories that uh, I guess empirically it seemed like we always kind of struggled. Either either it was something that maybe only one of us was really into, or uh, or, or none of us really had a a, a great passion for it and ended up kind of settling for a cat you know for like basically nominating the one thing that fit the category that we read
1: um,
2: and also they they were categories that that historically had uh, fewer responses or votes from the audience so uh, we cut i, I don 't have the ballot here sitting here but I think we cut maybe i think there were like thirty through two categories the last few years. And I think we cut that down to like 25 or 26. So no, no major No, most people probably won't notice. But anyway, if you would like to participate, we would love to have your participation. Um, And the ballot is up for this year. You can find it in lots of different ways, uh, including going to uh, our Facebook group and uh, seeing it there. Or if you want to just type it in, um, you can go. It's a it's a Google form, um, so it's an online survey through Google. You can find it. The easiest way is to go to rebrand r e b r a n d dot l y. It's a shortener site. rebrand dot l y slash o closkers. So o c l o s c a r s. Uh, and that'll bring you to a much longer URL, which has the uh, the the uh, Google form. And the cool thing is, as always, if you uh, go through and fill in, you can fill in just whatever comes to mind now. And then as long as you use your real email address, uh, you can go back in and log in at any time between now and uh, early next year when we close the balloting and uh, add to your answers or change them or what have you. So. Uh, please do that um, for show. Sure. Um, but, uh, but one of the categories that we got rid of, uh, w- unfortunately uh, for this next book, we got rid of our favorite nonfiction book uh, as a, as a standalone category. And uh, had we kept it, I, I think this book, uh, this here graphic novel would have probably been my choice for said award. Um and that book is the Twilight Man uh, by Corin Shadmi uh with subtitle "Rod Serling and the Birth of television um, It is uh, a humanoids book,
1: beautifully produced um, and as it, you it might is guess, but it's also hmm? attributed to something called life drawn so it's uh, it's humanoids but there it's the i guess the the the, the people that Joined with Humanoids, it's the studio is called Life Drawing.
2: Yeah, it's an imprint. I'm guessing that it, based on the name and the – I'm, I'm assuming it's maybe a nonfiction imprint or a biographical oh, imprint. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, Corin Shadmi is an Israeli cartoonist um, who explains his interest and fascination with Rod Serling at the end of this book. But uh, it is a 176-page uh, graphic account of the life and times of Rod Serling. Um, and it's fascinating. I, I think um, Serling lived an amazing life, and I think he was an impeccable talent. And this book plays it fairly straight. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly straight, linear narrative of Serling's life. But the cool thing is it's narrated by Serling. Serling, the book starts where he is on uh, a commercial jet sitting next to a fetching woman. And uh, they're having cigarettes together because that was back then. You could smoke on planes, as crazy as that may sound to some of you. Um, And it's going to be a long flight. And so she convinces him to um, to regale her with a story. And so he starts telling her about his life. And and we go from there. And it's just a, a, a fairly, at least from what I knew of him before this, it's a, a fairly on the nose, well-researched uh, graphical representation of his journey from a um, he was a short guy, He was five foot four, tiny guy. He had a bit of a Captain America complex. He uh, wanted to uh, join what well, he did. He joined the army army. Um, because he wanted to go and fight Hitler. He was a Jewish, uh, Jewish man and he wanted to go and fight Hitler and be a paratrooper. And uh, he was too little to be a paratrooper. But uh, just like uh, Steve Rogers, he wouldn't take no for an answer and convince them finally to let him try. And he made it. And he actually ended up becoming a paratrooper um, and fighting. But unfortunately, he didn't get to fight the Germans. He ended up fighting uh, on the Pacific campaign and... Um, uh, but he did serve and he was uh received several accommodations and medals and uh was a you know had a, a a fairly accomplished military career and then when he got back home um you know he went on as as I'm sure many of you listening know to be at the time one of the preeminent uh television writers uh of his time uh, and really in standing the test of time i think regarded as one of the the most creative influential forces in television writing um ever So the book does an awesome job of, of telling his story. Uh, And I think what I like the most about it, or really any, any, this book does what I I think should be done when you're doing a biography, which is to say it paints a very fair picture of the person. It doesn't overly romanticize his life and accomplishments. I think it also gives you a sense of his flaws and his, um, his fears and his phobias. Uh, And I, I think, I think a, a biography should be a uh, should attempt to have a complete, fair picture of a, of a person, regardless of how amazing their artistry is or how accomplished they were. And I think this does that. I mean, he he was a dude with a Napoleon complex, and he was a dude that uh, was a womanizer, and he drank too much, and he was argumentative. Um, but he also did a lot for. Uh, for the rights of creators and for pushing back against the uh, bureaucratic uh, machine of, of radio and television. And, 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 and he fought hard against the idea that you had to create content that was dumbed down for the masses. Um, and he became a very wealthy man for that. But like with many things, because he was a, 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 a pot stirrer. Um, eventually it the, the shtick ran ran cold and, and after the Twilight Zone was was canceled, uh, he got in hot water with CBS and eventually turned to having to do commercials and hosting game shows and um ironically gave in to the to the commercialism that he fought so hard against for the peak of his career. Um but again it was still making a very good living doing all this, and then uh, as you probably know, Vince he he was the co-writer of the first Planet of the Apes film. Hell yeah! Um, but but that was a low point for him creatively because he felt as though they didn't use a lot of his ideas and it was rewritten by another gentleman and, uh, and and the like. But he was the Rod was the one who came up with the idea of the of the ending with the Statue of Liberty and everything, which was not in the original novel. Um, and then he passed away at fifty years old um, of from two heart attacks. Um, so yeah, I mean it um uh it's pretty interesting. He he was a, as I said he was Jewish by descent, but he um ended up converting to unitarianism because he met a uh I guess what we would what 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 uh what his parents called a shiksa, but he 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 fell in love with a <laughs> yeah, yeah. fell in love with an uh, with a Christian girl and so uh he converted to unitarianism so they could get married and uh you know, he was an interesting dichotomy. I think not if not dissimilar to a lot of men of that era he was he loved his wife he was a good father he loved being with his family but he also banged anything that <laughs> that came within 10 feet of him so uh you know it, it 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 was a different time and there was a different moral compass and code and 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 this idea that men will be men type of a thing and he was very much of that of that vein and um uh yeah it's it's even and and it, there were things in the i mean i knew a decent amount about his life before this but there were some pretty cool things I, I learned, um, particularly as it relates to the twilight zone and some of the writers that he had had involved there. Um, and some of the, uh, some of the, the conflicts that, uh, arose from that. Um, so like, you know, Richard Matheson was wrote some of the episodes and, uh, and at one point he accused Rod of, of stealing ideas from his books and then Rod actually came to the conclusion that he was right because he was so stressed and obsessed about everything else that was going on in his life. He was pulling these ideas almost subconsciously, uh, and he went back and he thought about it and he realized that it had happened. So he apologized to Rod uh, to to Matheson, and Matheson actually, um, you know, um, like forgave him. It was like, oh, cool, I appreciate the you know that type of thing. Um, Ray Bradbury was. hired to write and actually only one of Ray Bradbury's scripts that he turned in was ever turned into an episode and um, they had a big feud after that for a long time Um, so it's very interesting stuff man I mean he he, how do you turn away a Bradbury script (laughs)
1: like how is that even possible
2: yeah I I don't know I mean um, Serling had, had been incredibly accomplished by the time he got Twilight Zone um But it also is a, a, I think there's an underlying tone to his life about perseverance because, um, it started with the idea of being a paratrooper, not taking no for an answer. But then, um, his, his big, his first big breakthrough, um, uh, television moment was, uh, an episode, um, of a, of a like an ongoing show, um, where they just did like almost like mini films each week, and and uh, his episode was called Patterns, and it, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it won uh, and it won a uh, an Emmy that year. But Patterns was the 72nd script that he had submitted to CBS, so it took 72 attempts before one of his scripts was put on television. Um, that's but, you di- know, that's he, diligence. Yeah, that's the thing, and he was just a diligent guy, and then there was a moment when when he did a schlitz commercial and they aired the schlitz commercial at the uh at the emmys where he was in attendance and the whole audience all the other hollywood muckety-mucks just laughed hysterically because they couldn't believe he would do a commercial and basically sell out and he was mortified cuz he had a very shallow he had an ego and he was mortified at the idea but it didn't stop him he kept doing commercials he because he needed the check, he wanted the bag. Yep. So when when Twilight Zone ended and the writing gigs were drying up, he just kept doing commercials. He didn't give a fuck. So um, he was an interesting dude. He was he was a like, like I said, he was a, a conflicting person. He was a good person in many respects, but a not so great person in other respects, and incredibly accomplished, but also had some fairly substantial lows, and both creatively. And I think the other thing that's that's interesting is that. Um, uh, he had PTSD. Um, we didn't call it PTSD back then. We called it shell shock and there wasn't much people did about it. It just was a thing that they dealt with, but he had it. And, uh, his experiences in world war two, and this is from his own writing about these experiences. Um, that this was all taken from, he was, um, it completely changed his perspective on life and, and, and existence. And, uh, Humanity and what humans were capable of. Uh, and that really was the genesis for a lot of his writing. Um, and and the particularly dark bent that the Twilight Zone had. Um, you know, he was a guy that definitely had his demons. And those demons were, in many ways, his creative uh, fire. They, they were the incubator for his best output. And at some point in his life, he got so successful... And so caught up in the Hollywood machine that he effectively lost his ability to uh, create at that level ever again, or at least he saw it that way. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So it was it it was a, a great, super easy read. Um, very much here if you if you're a fan of biographical comics, this is one of the better ones I've ever read, and I highly recommend it. Um, and then, Vince, you, you told me to shut my mouth. I made the joke about Night Gallery. But, uh, you know, I, I guess as, the, as, as this depicts it, the Night Gallery was very much a a, a, a depressing experience for him. Yeah. Uh, but it, was more, it was more
1: visceral than The Twilight Zone.
2: Though. Yeah. For, for those that don't know, he had, uh, in the late 60s, long after Twilight Zone had come and gone, and he'd been bouncing around doing different things, he had um, gone to NBC, and he filmed a... Uh, he wrote a uh, a pilot uh for the show called the Night Gallery, uh, which was directed, do you remember who directed it? The pilot? Oh. I don't. Steven Spielberg. Mm. And Joan Crawford was in the was in the pilot, and she was absolutely petrified that uh her career was going to be ended, and by the way, she was very old at this point, her career pretty much was ending because they she couldn't believe that they were going to let some 20-year-old guy direct this this film she was in. And of course that 20-year-old guy ended up being Steven Spielberg. But yeah. um but Night Gallery was successful enough as a pilot that they did turn it into an anthology show. In many ways it was essentially going to be another Twilight Zone or so Rod thought, but but it was much different in that the studio gave him no creative control. So he was the head writer, but but they 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 often Chopped up or changed his scripts and made them happier or, uh, more straightforward or think, you know, they basically trying to make them more appealing to the masses. And, uh, it broke his heart, but again, he was a perse- perseverer. So he continued to do it because it was a paycheck and, uh, he was well compensated. I mean, he wasn't a guy that hurt for money. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, fascinating dude, you know, mm-hmm. a, a guy I think that when we think of his name, we think of wildly successful and certainly from a, uh, he, he he certainly earned a place in the annals of history. And while he was alive, he was incredibly financially successful. But I also think that if you look at the context of The Twilight Zone being a five year period of his career, there were a lot of stuff before and after that was disappointing to him, didn't go the way he wanted. So Trivia, interesting.
1: Got some trivia. Mm-hmm. You know who painted the wonderful, very disturbing paintings for the series version of uh, Night Gallery? I have no idea. Tom Wright, but ah. the the pilot, the paintings for the pilot, were painted by uh, Jerry Geber, I think it, it, he he's known as, mm. and I, all the paintings are amazing. I remember seeing the paintings offered as posters. On the back of, um, Solson magazines. Way, 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 way back in the day. But mm-hmm. Joan Crawford's full of shit because she, she was worried about some 20 year old ruining her career. She was in Trog. Seriously, you don't yeah. appear in a movie with, uh, you know, a, a Neanderthal a guy in an ape costume and worry about your career. At that point, Joan Crawford was done. So, you know, mm. yeah, get off. Serling's leg
2: yeah and, and it, it's interesting too he was also of uh known to be a, a big uh political activist mm-hmm. um, the book doesn't get into that that much i mean the the book does hint that he got in a bit of trouble at times with his career like he had episodes that had to be shut down because sponsors like u s steel didn't want him to do it um but but it doesn't get i think at it doesn't I don't think the book portrays him as being um, as as being politically as active, especially as an anti-war critic as he was. Um, and I don't know why. Uh, if I ever have the chance, I'd love to hear why why Corin, uh, the writer, sh- shot me. Didn't uh, like opted to because he was so thorough. I, I I presume he did that by choice. Um, but yeah, he he doesn't get into his his um, uh, activism. Uh, within any great way.
1: Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick, one lives, one dies, Twilight Zone or Outer Limits?
2: I mean, for me, Twilight Zone, I mean, I've seen all of Twilight Zone. I I, I can't say that I've seen all of Outer Limits. I, I feel like I, that was more catch-as-catch-can for me. Okay. Dapp? Yeah.
0: Uh, as as cool as episodes of Outer Limits were, it, there's there's really no contest. It's it, what lives is uh Twilight Zone.
1: Okay, looks you're like, Outer Limits. Looks like I'm the odd man out. Well, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah, just because go. the Outer Limits had more monsters, and oh, it, it was more it was more B movie than than Twilight Zone. So the, the scripts were good, but they weren't Twilight Zone level. But, but yeah. there was more creatures in the Outer Limits, like the Xanti Misfits. I love those little fuckers.
0: Yeah, when I think of I mean, I think of they're they are very, very similar, but Twilight Zone are um they're they're all about karma and mm. and and just it's things that, you know, would suck if they happen to you, but I there were things that happened that the story is kind of Twilight Zone always freaked me out because I could turn a corner and think that what's going on is something out of the twilight zone. Outer limits was, was strictly sci-fi for me. It was yeah. just, I know mean, I love sci-fi, but that was just, that was more, you know, that's cool. I love rockets and aliens and shit like that. So yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy outer limits, but, but yeah, there's no way that <laughs> rockets able, and rockets aliens, yank, and
1: shit like that,
0: uh, you know, but I mean, when it comes to, you know, how to serve man, I mean, come on. Oh, oh yeah. Just, just, you know, Last just, man yeah, on just, earth
1: finds himself in a yeah. library and he breaks his and, glasses and, and breaks glasses. Oh. it's just you no know, it's you and then know, he becomes the just... penguin though so it was worth it
0: and and, and, he, and he trains rocky how a fight but but you have <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: there's just i mean you can i uh, sci-fi in the mornings and and new year's eve with, with with the marathons it's yeah i mean i could get lost and and just i i could binge episodes of twilight zone left to right there's just and and i they stick with you
1: they, just agree. Yeah. they do, They yeah. do. You
0: can't, you can't shake those, and it, right. and it's something. I, I could Certain episodes of Twilight Zone. I still remember where I was when I saw them the first time, and and it's just you know. So it's, Out of limits is cool. Yeah, but Twilight
1: Twilight Zone has a very high level of consistency for an anthology show. Very high yeah. level. Yeah. yeah,
2: and and, and also uh, I misspoke. I was talking about the Richard Matheson and the plagiarism. It wasn't Matheson. It was uh, Charles Beaumont. So, oh, okay. I mean, Mattson was a writer on the show too. But yeah. It was actually was... Charles Beaumont that got bent out of shape about the plagiarism. Oh. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, no. So uh, one more. So it's called The Twilight Man and uh, Humanoids just came out twenty two ninety five cover price. So I'm assuming something like fifteen sixteen bucks from uh, our friends at In Stock Trade slash Discount Comic Book Service. Nice. Make it happen. Make it happen.
1: We have a trend going on this episode. Oh yeah, there's a biography trend. Oh, yes, nice. Because I have a biography.
2: Damn.
1: But it's not. A, it's an atypical biography, because it is I written. I expect in, nothing less. It, yes, it is written and illustrated by Gilbert Hernandez. Oh, oh right, right. That's yeah, published by Fantagraphics. This is called Maria M. And there's a there's a little bit of backstory to the publication of this book. the The first part of the tale of Maria M was published in 2013 and it was promised that the second and final part would follow in 2014 but that never happened until now so Fanagraphics' new Maria M collection includes the previously published first part and the brand spanking new second concluding volume under one hardcover and it retails for 29.99 and you know me and uh Los Brothers Hernandez and Love and Rockets man I, I just there's something about these guys they make the comics that I want to read and Maria M was nothing it was nothing different um if you're a Love and Rockets fan you already know this but the foundation for Maria M was dug in Gilbert's Poison River which is uh Love and Rockets volume 6 Beyond Palomar but those who haven't read any Love and Rockets, I would suggest you read Maria M. first, because Maria M. is the mother of Luba. Ah. Yes. Gilbert's, arguably Gilbert's most vivid creation. I mean, mm. I waffle, There's, a, but I would say Luba is top of the stack, just like with Jaime, Maggie's. The peak yeah. of the of of the creative powers, I would say Luba is is uh, Gilbert's. Uh, I don't want to call it a claim to fame, but his uh, most resounding character, at least with me and a lot of other people. But here's the the twist on this thing. It's really weird. Gilbert has been doing these B movie graphic novels, in which one of another of his characters, Fritz would star in the leading in the role in these movies right you had the troublemakers chance in hell love from the shadows so it's been established that fritz dabbles in movies okay maria maria i say maria because that's the way they say it maria m is a biopic in which the title role is played by luba's half-sister fritzy does that make sense to you? think I'm following. So Gilbert has done these graphic novels where Fritz would partake in these movies. Now she's playing the role of her mother in what is essentially a biopic of Maria M. And it gets weirder. Because in the story, Maria has a daughter after being raped. In continuity, Love and Rockets continuity, this daughter is Fritz. And the actress playing the child in the comic is a young Fritz. So the actress playing her mother gives birth to herself in the comic. Huh. That's my mind being just like exploding, right? It's amazing. But the it's, it's more of the same from Gilbert, which is not saying anything derogatory. It's, it's sex and drugs. And violence. <laughs> I mean, he does it so well, right? It, it begins where Maria, Maria emigrates to America. She's running away from something. And the thing she's running away from is crime and her daughter Luba. She abandons Luba back home.
2: Hard on here. Damn.
1: Yeah. And, and, and she, she's running from something into the arms of her stateside boyfriend, who unfortunately lives the life of crime. And he pays the ultimate price. So she's a fish out of water. She's she's in the city. She she's walking around and Gilbert in the very first panel of this thing establishes the tone. It's a it's a, a wide horizontal panel panel. Maria's in the city. There's men and women walking all around her and there's there's advertising all around her. And there's a billboard and it says new nineteen fifty-seven. It's a beautiful new car. But on the opposite side of the panel, there's a billboard that says Exploitation begins here. So Maria M. is a B-movie which exploits the fact that Maria's proportions are 45, 23, 39. That is is a full-figured gal. That is a thick woman. In keeping with Gilbert's um, established approach to the female form, I mean, you could see where Luba gets it from, right? Luba's very busty, and Maria is... Whew. At forty-five, she's she's very busty. So um, Maria is walking around the city, right, and she's she's stunned, culture shock, and she's approached by two young ladies, Trixie and Pam. They're a pair of models, and they think Maria is just another girl off the bus, right? Oh, come on, honey, we'll take you over here. We'll get you a job, and they try to get her a job as a model. But the, the costume maker, he smells her perfume, and, and he's like, this is not, you got it wrong. This perfume she's wearing is 100 bucks a bottle. This is not a girl looking for a job. So th- they, they put her back in, on the streets, and she goes to the boyfriend's house, and she almost gets to the door, and she looks in the window, and there are thugs with a gun to her boyfriend's forehead, and kabam. So she narrowly escapes death, and she's got nothing now. That's where everything turns sour. She's got no job. She's in a she's a strange stranger in a strange land. No no uh, way to make any money. So where does she do? She goes back to the only other thing she knows. These two girls, Trixie and Pam. Um, she becomes um a, a model of sorts. Uh, and like I said, like most of Gilbert's women, Maria has very interesting proportions and um there there's a full page where the the tailor or the 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 dressmaker's measuring her and he and he reveals the her measurements and the guy at the camera says oh my god that's a, a terrible waste of of such beautiful skin that's the thing about maria she has beautiful smooth silky skin everybody comments on it like cuz she's so damn busty that that's the first thing you notice the second thing you notice is like my god your skin is perfect um and the thing throughout the whole book that's the thing they treat maria like an object like a, a, a you know a sex toy like she's all vavavoom and very little else and that's where they they misjudge this woman because like luba maria's no dumb bunny you know she she willingly enters into situations that she knows are bad for her but she's a she's a go-getter she wants to climb that ladder you know she's used to a certain level of life at like jason right she's used to the you know the caviar and the hilarious (laughs) and she doesn't want to relinquish that right so what does she do she takes a, a a job she as a as a model for some irving claw type photography you know with the 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 bondage and shit and she's a waitress in in one panel she's a burlesque dancer and she gets a part in a two-bit movie foreshadowing right her her eventual daughter does the same thing but it's a role that's going to come back to haunt her but it's maria she's not going to care all that much right she um she gets some notoriety later on in her life and and people will come up to her like you're maria you were in this movie oh my goodness she's like yeah yeah whatever you know, she doesn't care. It's not something that's a a blanket of shame over her life. She's like, yeah, I did that. So what, you know? But and here's where M- Maria's life takes a a pretty, I would say, a dark turn. But you know, maybe it all depends on what you're looking for. She marries a crime boss named Cienfuegos, and Cienfuegos has a pair of sons named Gorgo and Herman. And if you've read Love and, Love and Rockets, y- you know you know gorgo because he's appeared um, he gorgo's a stoic strong man but he has a real wicked streak he's a great fighter but he's the dude you want in your watching your back you know and that's exactly what he does with maria through the entire graphic novel gorgo becomes maria's silent protector and um, herman cienfuegos other son he has aspirations Um, there's talk about the scourge of communism through this book. Cienfuegos believes that commies have to be approached halfway for the sake of his business, right? These people want to deal, I'll deal with them. And those close to him and even his business rivals, they're like, no way, we do not deal with communists. And he's like, we must, because it's all about the profit. Who do you care who we sell these drugs to? Whether they're communists, they're street urchins, they're American citizens, who the hell cares? We're selling drugs. Why do you got to be particular? But his, his, um, the, the, the people close to him in his organization feel very strongly about not dealing with the communists. And um, Maria is eventually drugged by uh, Sinfuegos' rivals, and she's kidnapped, right? When you have a woman... It, it, you're entrusted to watch a woman as beautiful as Maria. Uh, if you're not a nice person, y- you may use the situation to your advantage, and that's exactly what this guy Tad does. She's raped by this dude Tad, and and Gorgo doesn't get there in time, but um, he he goes off the deep end, man. He he debilitates Tad cuts off his dick Mm. and stuffs it into his mouth before killing him. Like it's, it's a savage, savage scene. I mean, you guys are familiar with Gilbert. He doesn't pull any punches and, and I I kind of almost relish the fact that it's in black and white and not in color because I mean, it would be a lot of red ink. One thing this book is it's very, very violent. Um, but Mia's, uh, Mia, my, my girl, Maria is pregnant. And the, the eventual child is Fritz, the, the, the woman that is actually playing her in this movie. But like I said... The, the, it's like the, Ice
2: Cube's son playing him in... Uh, yeah, in the movie. Uh, yeah, start camp, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but Ice Cube didn't, didn't give birth to himself. That's weird. Yeah, that it is weird. That is weird. But right. uh, like I said, the book is very, very violent uh it is the world of crime after all there's duplicity and murder and gunplay and since it's gilbert there are tons and tons of sex mm. Man, Mucho <laughs> sexo right <laughs> but uh most of the people in the book seem muddy as all surface and they underestimate her and um you know thanks to her guardian angel gorgo the people that underestimate her end up pushing up the daisies more often than not if a, if a guy gets too close to to Maria and steps over the line gore goes there waiting in the shadows to make sure that they never do it again um i don't want to spoil it because it's it's a pretty uh some of the things are are obvious when you when you're about halfway through but the ending maybe not so much but the, basically, the book just details the ups and downs of Maria's marriage to Sinfuegos. They're on again, off again. She leaves. She comes back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the rise and fall of the Sinfuegos crime family, the various men, and there are a lot of them, that trail through Maria's life. Um, there's a disturbingly bloody shootout at the end. There's severed heads in refrigerators, severed penises. Um, Mm, Gallons Sounds awesome It is very good Uh, Gallons and gallons of blood Lots of nudity and sex And Maria can crack walnuts on her belly Oh yeah Yeah. I do
2: not understand why I've had trouble Enjoying (laughs) Hernandez Brothers
1: I don't know It baffles me Because I loved Birdland when I read it last year Well okay Maria M is Half of Birdland It's not nearly as explicit There's no there's no body fluids squirting around all over the right, place. Right, right, yeah. But, you know, everything but, you know. I, I'm going to give it a try. It's it's phenomenal. It's wonderful. And it's it's noir. It's crime noir. So you can read this. Oh, you might have lost him. Oh, uh, who? No, yes. D-
2: D- Vince is the one that supposedly <laughs> doesn't like crime noir. I don't, I'm surprised that he, I'm surprised that this, that's interesting to me. Uh, you
1: know what? I've I got to change my position on that because everything I've talked about, like criminal i guess I do like crime noir. I think you yes, do you do you do we do you do, but when you got a woman in the title role that's forty five twenty three thirty nine good Lord, like lordy mama, um yeah, it's not the kind of dimensions I like to work with but uh but that's fine, but she's stunning because it is fritz without the without the lisp, so she's very attractive. You could say that for a lot of Gilbert's women. Um, but as far as the form, I don't think there are too many people making comics that are better than Los Bros Hernandez. I mean, they're just, mm-hmm. they're consummate craftsmen. Everything they do. I mean, you may not get into the subject. What would you
2: matter. say is, this is interesting, what would you say is the best for of work for each of them?
1: Well, for Jaime, I would definitely say the Love Bunglers, only okay. because it culminates a whole bunch of years. It's it's this this blazing hot endpoint in a in something involving Maggie. And well,
2: so does that mean you would need to have read everything before it though to yeah, appreciate it? Yeah, oh.
1: I I mean to really get the 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 wallop out of it. Yeah, I think you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilbert. Yikes! I don't know. Um, An American in Palomar is really good. Uh, Human Disastrophism is very good. That's the one where people people dies. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, Poison River's great. Um, I like Gilbert's side projects like this and the Troublemakers and stuff. But when he's in Palomar, man and he's dealing with Luba, it's just magic. Uh, It it really is, yeah. And I would would love for someone to do, I'm sure they have at this point, a a Gilbert family tree and a Jaime family tree and just show. I I think the Gilbert one would be far more detailed in that, you know, Luba has, what, six, seven daughters, right, and permutations therein. But I would love to see just how all of these characters graphically relate to each other. And mm-hmm. um, now this book is phenomenal, and uh, I've I've been away from the Los Bros for a while. Um, I don't like the single issues of Love and Rockets. I liked it better when it was a once a year volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this book reinvigorated my love for the brothers. So I'm going to get back on the 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 regular reading of, of Love and Rockets because it's been a while. I think the the new series is like seven issues, six issues to date. And mm-hmm. I haven't read any of the, the, the new new stuff. So I gotta get back on that. But um yeah, it's a sure bet with me. Hernandez brothers are, are always a win. I I just love everything they do. That's great. Yeah. But we gotta get Jason started on Love and Rockets. Yeah, I've had a few false starts.
2: I, 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 I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't.
1: I think, and then are... I get
2: away from it, and then I'm like, oh, I, I I'm gonna love this when I pick it back up. Because yeah, I... every time it's described to me, I'm like, oh, this sounds like stuff right up my alley. I'm, I'm all for this. Yeah, this may do the trick. Maria M may do the trick for you. Because... But see, but that, but that, that's the thing though. Then it's like, but then how? Like, one of the questions when it gets to something like this is where, where are you supposed to start? Like, what, like. You well, can, are you supposed to start with Love and Rockets Volume One? I mean,
1: no. Uh, the collected. Or after the, you know? reading this, I would read Poison River, and then after you read Poison River, then you can go back to the beginning, and and catch up, and then read everything after Poison River, because okay. I think
2: what's Poison River exactly?
1: What's- Poison River is is very involved with Luba and her mother and her history and Gorgo's in it and things that. The the afterword of Maria M is Poison River. Mm-hmm. So they're connected. And if you read this and then you read Poison River, you're going to get a somewhat complete picture of at least this uh, area of Luba's life. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and start with the beginning. But I think the big, the, the early issues of Love and Rockets, especially Jaime stuff, is nowhere near an indication of what's happening, what eventually the, these guys become. Like early Maggie stuff is great, and it's beautifully illustrated and entirely indebted to Wally Wood, but it's the Jaime doesn't become Jaime until you know a, 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 uh, I would say a couple of years into the the run, uh, not even a year. Mm-hmm. I give him a year or so but the early stuff is is it's great but it's not it's like a breach of contract it's more sci-fi than the stuff that comes Interesting.
2: He, so maybe that's part of the issue.
1: Yeah, he doesn't discount it but it's not it's not locus. You know, mm-hmm. that when when uh, Hopi comes into the picture, that's when it really starts to gel and become, you know, what he uh he finds his groove, right?
2: All right, so you know what, listeners? Uh, we're going to post, as we always do, uh, an episode thread in the Facebooks. Um, I know many of you are passionate about love and rockets. Uh, make your case. Where give me a give me a place you think I should start to sell me on it. I mean, Vince has already made his case. I'll I'll read Maria M and see what I think of that. But but uh, I'm sure you all have your own views. Make your case. Well, and if you can make your case as well, if you have a, a viewpoint, obviously.
1: To quote "Stairway to Heaven," there are two paths which you can go by. You can go the Jaime path, or you can go the Gilbert path. Both of yeah. them are very different. I would not sure, start... Well, I know, that's what I'm saying. Let's, yeah. hear, let's hear from people. What are Jaime, think? I would not start with Maggie the Mechanic. I would go a little uh, further, maybe Volume 2, mm-hmm. or maybe Death of Speedy, I don't know. But that won't resonate, so I don't know. Um, yeah, leave it up to well, the... Why won't that resonate? Because if you do Death of Speedy... Then you're missing the stuff that came before that. I, it's it's hard. It's hard to say because without the books in front of me, where I can point, it's like okay, this sure. is where the the mechanic stuff ends. Now you should mm-hmm. read it from here on. All it's right. it's just all wonderful, but mileage may vary. And Fantagraphics has published, uh, repackaged the books in in some weird order. Now that, um, so you can get all new printings of them if you want to jump into it, and it's chronological more or less, but, um, I, yeah,
2: I, and you can get that. I know at least the first few volumes are available on Comixology because I definitely a year or two ago tried to read the first volume of that Fanographics collection and was all set to read it and then surprise y'all and say, oh shit, he finally read Love and Rockets, and but I. I, I just was having trouble connecting with it again, so I, I just never even mentioned it.
1: Hmm. I think Jaime is... When, when you see Jaime's art, yeah, there's a lot of Archie influence, but I see a lot of Hank Ketchum in his work. Dennis the Menace, a lot yeah. of it. Especially, with, there, there's an arc... Uh, I don't even know the when it takes place. Let's just say late run um, OG Eleven Rockets, where there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of children in the Jaime section, and uh-huh. it it looks like a cross between uh, Ketchum and Charles Schultz, and it's just great. But Gilbert Gilbert's an anomaly. I can't. There, there's there's no living uh, visual stylist that I can say. Oh, this guy. Gilbert's definitely drawn on this guy. Like, Gilbert's, he's his own thing. Sure. Yeah. We, and a and wonderful thing. But whatever. Yeah, it's, I think it's a worthwhile experiment to get you into it or not. But at least to have you at least try. hmm
2: There
1: you go. What else do we have, people? We got lots of time to fill up. <coughs> hey, now. Wow. Uh. Pick that lung up oh, okay. and tell us about yeah. some comics.
0: Uh, I'll do the best I can with what I got to work with, um, voice wise. I this is um, ties into uh, Jason's best thing I read this week thread. Mm. Um, this I was really looking forward to this. This was in, in the Slack channel. This was my top pick for my top five. Um, I was looking forward to it because I didn't know what to expect. And and um, I was digging Jamal Campbell's work on Naomi, but this is written by N.K. Jemison and uh, art and color by Jamal Campbell. And um, it is part of the young animal line from D.C. It is called... Far Sector. It is, uh, Jemison is the author of the fifth season and, um, not familiar with Jemison at all. Um, basically, this is a story about a Green Lantern in the far, far, farthest sector. Um, Way out there, further than any lantern has ever patrolled um beyond any of the sectors that um any of the lanterns you're familiar with are familiar with and so this um this lantern her um name is joe uh, she is um well that actually she she is she is from earth she is human um but she uh on on this planet she goes by um lantern um muline um so that, that that's her last name but uh african american woman she's our eyes and ears um in this uh in this world in this um uh, platform ever forward is is what the name of the of the planet of the environment all these races um, all these aliens live on um, and that was weird I just heard a beep was I here
1: I, there was a message or something Okay. Um
0: uh, <laughs> okay. There, I see it. So um there's a murder. It, it, it's basically we'll be open with a murder. And and because this is completely this is not familiar territory at all for the readers. Um Joe is our eyes and ears and and, and we're getting we're getting the lay the land, we're getting up to speed. Um but the 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 aliens the the story it's it's weird this was this was just something that completely blew me away I love the look of it um um uh, about what Vince was saying about the last God this is kind of like the other side of that coin whereas instead of it being a time of of sword and sorcery and 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 fantasy this is science fiction and, and outer space and but it's still it's still world building and it's still um and there's no songs there's no dancing but they're they're just you're just thrown in to this space and and um th- there's a lot to there's a lot to un i don't want to say there's a lot to unpack here but there's a lot to take in because you have your 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 meeting this new lantern you're meeting these these alien species you're there's a murder that um it's not so much a mystery because they know who did it um but they have to find out why and um the end of the first issue the end of chapter one things aren't going to be it's not going to be easy to find out the why and um I, I just think the way the way Joe plays off with the the peace officers on this planet, basically the police force and the um, the counselors, the the not so much the ruling party of these people, but um, the counselors of of the um, of the people here of 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 the aliens here um, but i just i really like i really like Jamal's work and and it's weird it's it's cuz there's a lot i don't know it reminds me a little bit of um of Christian Ward in a sense that i don't know how much Jamal does on the page to what we get in the finished product with all the colors because Vincent and i saw some of um Ward's pages uh, at Paolo's table at um, New York Comic Con and you can tell that there's you can kind of see where Ward is going but it looks a lot different than what we get in the finished product because obviously a lot of the color um, plays into how it's going to look at the end and and I don't know just how sparse or um, what kind of line work there may be on the page and whether or not this is all just done in Photoshop and Illustrator, but it, it's, um, I, my eyes just can't, can't leave the page. And the way, the way Joe responds and reacts is, is just, it had me just, I I was really just, I'm close to saying, um, I just, I couldn't look away. I just, I, I was, I was very, um, it was, it, it, it held me captive basically. I just, I, I, I really, um, it was one of those things where there, there are some books I'll read, some stories I'll read where I'll, I'll go astray. It, it, it's either, I love the way it looks. And that's what I focus on. And then I lose sight of the words. And then there are books where I'll just, I'll read all the text and I'll forget what the hell was drawn in the panel. But this, this is a really good marriage of both. And, and, um, I, as I think, I think Jemison and Campbell work for me in this, with this one issue so far, I think they work better together. Um, than I think Campbell did with, uh, with Bendis and Walker on Naomi. I just, I, I, um, you know, I mean, and I guess props to Campbell because not only did he co-create or, or worked with creating something new with Naomi, now he's doing the same thing here with with Far Sector and and um in the same year. And and it's uh I don't think that's anything to um to shrug over. But this was just no, I I really this really was one of the best things I've read in a while, and 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 I don't. I'm not trying to. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm being deliberately vague with some things because I want people to. Um, anybody who's on the fence about it or, or or thought about reading it, I want them to. But I also, um, because there isn't any aside from it being a aside from Joe being a Green Lantern. It's not like there's much of a tether from the rest of the DC universe here. So it's all we're all getting in on it. On the ground floor, so um, things will be explained as time goes on, which I'm I'm looking forward to. But um, but yeah, I want to see more about. I want to see more of this world. I definitely want to see more of Joe. But um, yeah, I, I'm really stoked for the rest of this story. And and I um, I was completely um thrilled and happy and and um, th- this is the kind of book where I I would like other people to read i'll promote the hell out of this i I really really liked it
1: i find it a little odd that they chose to do this under the young animal imprint right Right. that's essentially the kiss of death i mean let's be honest the young animal books don't sell for shit and
0: and at first i thought it was also a black label because there is some language in here and i don't know if that's par for the course for some of the other young animal books because i haven't read many and and i'm Um, not i'm not
1: commenting on the quality of the young animal books but once you put that imprint on it i mean it seems those books seem to 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 languish and just like they don't get any attention i don't know why so because it it is tied into the lantern core i don't understand why they didn't just publish this as a a miniseries or or whatever
0: Well, I I mean, I think it is a miniseries, or or it might be a 12-issue series, but it's, um, you know, I guess with Morrison doing his thing with Green Lantern and now with the Black Stars, I guess they wanted to not not have it, um, I guess, associated with it in case of whatever Grant's doing. But um, there's a &A Q&A in the back. That may be
1: assuming a little bit of um, forethought on the publishers. I don't really think there's a lot of that. You know what I mean? I, I just I think it's just it found its home at at Young Animal for whatever reason, and uh, I, do, the, I don't think um, the reason why it it found its home at Young Animal was to not step on any toes from Grant Morrison. I mean, it's just it just seems odd that this thing is shunted off to this little side imprint. The
0: the Q and A in the back has um, where the, where they talk with um, the creators. Uh, How did you develop the city Enduring's location and culture? And um, Jemison says, I got contacted by Gerard Way, who had an idea for a Green Lantern book in which the protagonist would be alone in a distant sector of space, embedded in a futuristic society. Um, So basically this was just, I guess Gerard had an idea for a Green Lantern book, and because he's got his own imprint at DC, instead of putting it in with the main DC books, I guess they figured it just since he was the idea man behind it
1: do you have uh, the the apple news thing yes i i, I don't know I, I clicked on something i think it was vice news or something where they they said that my chemical romance is the more most important band in the last or whatever period that they they were active that they're the most important band i can't tell you a single song by my chemical romance i've never heard anything I, same before.
0: here same here
1: are they really that important <laughs> no I know, I know, I'm, I know, I'm not i know, being I, know I know
0: you're not being funny i just i don't I, we are not we're not the target
1: audience for that one of my students would always wear something this black parade t-shirt and and she would probably give it up on top of a desk for gerard way but other than that i don't know anything of of the thing that he does that made him quote gerard way like i, I don't so know I any
0: umbrella it. cat yeah no i wouldn't be able to well name. yeah
1: we know that but... but yeah as
0: far as the band
1: or, or music, yeah no. Uh, no no idea
0: i mean i'm sure i've heard and i'd be like oh okay so that's Chemical, my chemical romance but i wouldn't be able to name
1: no so uh-uh whatever but this looks really pretty because while you were talking I, I i scoured the internets for some images to include on the gallery which is attached to the episode Thread on our website, 11 o'clock comics. So if you want to see what DAP is talking about, head on over there. There'll be a nice gallery. You can see images from uh, Twilight Man and Maria M and Far Sector. So it's all there. Just go to our website. Uh, see, It's an audio visual treat. It is. It, it is. an explosion. Yes. But that sounds interesting, DAP. Thanks.
2: I'll probably. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I got to say, I had. Uh, it's funny, I, I, I didn't. I didn't uh, pre order this because it was young animal. <laughs> so I figured, oh, that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm I mean, saying. But, right? Uh, wow, this is beautiful. I may have and to I, do, uh, cop this. I went um
0: it was be- and I, I did I did mention it in the um in my previous video a couple months ago, but again, yes, because it's the young animal imprint, I'm like, I don't know I don't know what the association might be. And um but hopefully this can be its own standalone thing imprint on the cover aside. Um, and I was even telling my wife about it because of, of, of the way our hero acts and behaves. And, um, and there's one panel that, that just completely, it, it, it slayed me and, and I had to laugh. And as I'm explaining, I'm setting up the scene for my wife. She's like, that, that, that sounds like something I might want to read. So this, because it is a, there's, is a, a, there's
1: a, the fucking twilight zone right there that you have a no. wife that actually wants to yeah. read comics. Like, yeah, uh, it's bizarre. Seriously.
0: So I think this is um, this is something where if 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 this keeps up, if if it's if this first issue is an indication of of what to expect, then I will um, definitely be getting the collected edition when this is done.
1: Yeah, me too. That's the thing. I, I'm I I may may have shat on Young Animal inadvertently, but I read them in trade. I don't get the single issues. But the thing, the gist of what I was trying to say is it doesn't seem like anybody is talking about Young Animal at all. I mean, we have another uh, another Doom Patrol series that's out there now. Not a word. Nothing. You know, and I I don't think that uh, is because of a lack of quality. I think these things are are very well crafted and, and produced. It's just that eyes and ears are not on this imprint. And that was, they tried. Initially, I mean that that first in, uh, thrust with with all those books, and then you know the the ash can that they were sending her out, it looked great, but the books uh, books were wonderful, but then eh, they kind of like petered out. And they tried it again with a uh, with a wave too, and it just seems like nobody is paying any attention to this young animal line. I, I...
0: the um. This story definitely feels like um, an Alan Moore written story from from the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps quarterly and and the anthology. It's just the way it's like I said it, it it's its own thing. But but the names of the of the ruling council um, they uh, everybody's got commas for days in their names. There's um uh Averip Thorn of the dry season thorns, Lumur of the cliffs comma by the wavering dark. And, and so I'm guessing it's, it's their name and location the, the the city they're from or where they were born. But then there's this one dude, Marth of the sea by the wavering dark until the sun falls. And, and she's like, yeah, that, that extra bit of name means he's extra important among his people. And, and then he says something snide and then, and, and she just thinks to herself, you know, he, he She actually says or thinks Diddy and I, I. That that's the part that just I lost it. But it's as right. I'm reading it with everybody's names.
1: You want to explain that?
0: diddy It's it's. uh My wife has said it uh with her girlfriends. Hi, Saididdy. It's like, it's basically, it's, it's bougie. Like being pretentious. It's yes, yeah. It's like you know, you're just you're. It's almost like extra. It's 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 yeah extra. yeah yeah. Exactly. It's it's bougie it's it's ghetto it's it's but they think they're it's because he's kind of
1: well i'm just looking at the etymology of the word like what is it is it mean is it city Siddity No. Or?
0: it's well it, uh, possibly i like i don't i don't know the origins of the word itself but the way in 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 context um i've never it, heard it before it's basically yeah like it, it's the the pretentious part is around for a
2: long is, time yeah really? but
0: you don't really hear it too often, and and you're definitely not going to hear from too many white folk. But it's um, it's it's uh, yeah it's, yeah. It's,
2: I gotta say yeah. I, I saw you post that, and it's interesting. Like I laughed when you posted the the thing, but it is weird because like I would say that was a word that was popular like a minute ago, like like yeah. ten years ago. So it, it's it is a, I, I, it is a strange choice because you see a lot of times in comics, someone will make a in the moment pop culture reference, whether it be slang or it be something that's happening. And if you're reading it off the shelf, you get it, but if you read it three years later, you'd have no clue what the fuck they're talking about. And who's the or poster child much- for
1: that? What's Tom that? Tom DeFalco's the poster child for that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. And
1: Bendis does it too. Um,
2: um but but so when I saw this at did I'm like, oh like I, I like I do think that is a, a that is a term of art that is going to be lost on a lot of
0: readers yes yes i agree and and even if you um it be and, and i don't know if that's if that's reflection uh, well i mean obviously the author is the, the the writer's familiar with the word but i don't know how that's supposed to i don't know if maybe joe has a grandmother who would say it or you know because right. i don't know how if where she was plucked from to go to because i don't know when this story takes place i mean yes it's it's a, it's a far flung, um, it, it's a futuristic city, but I don't know if it's a city in the future. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if she's present day. I don't know if, uh, cause we do see her get the ring, but it's, it's like from her point of view. So we don't see a scene of it. We see somebody hand her a a jewel box and she opens it up and there's the ring and she takes it. So, um, but if, if, uh, quick Google Vince says that, uh, it's, it's a U.S., it's, it's dated slang, chiefly African American vernacular, acting snobbish, arrogant, or superior, uppity, perceived right, to be trying to associate with a higher social class. And who she says this about is very fitting based on, um, okay. based on that definition. So yeah, it's, but yes, it is, it's, it's a very of its time word.
1: You know time. the no apologies guys are listening to this, and they're just like, they're the head. yeah, Gil's yeah. like
0: those." <laughs> you know, when they told you what it means. Stop playing.
1: So there you go. It sounds very interesting. I'm definitely. loving it. I will definitely consume that in trade. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Can I? Uh, I'm going to speak on something. It's quick. I'll go quick. I know you probably got something else, Vince, but that's because it's a one-shot, one so I want to get it out the way. So diddy. I got to give it some love. So did he? No, it's not called Stadiddy. <laughs> it was the best thing I read this week. Oh, uh, do tell. And that, and that yes. is Lock and Key Dog Days. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, uh, long-time listeners of the show know that Lock and Key holds a very special place in the show's history. Uh, it was, I think it's fair to say, along with Queen and Country, was probably the thing that Chris was the most excited about while he was on the show, right? That's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. Um, and he turned me on to it. And I uh, and I echoed his love for it. I, I think Lock and Key is for me, one of my favorite comic book series of all time. Um, genuinely, uh, I love it. I've, it's one of the few series I reread from start to finish um, and and loved it as much the second time. Um, it, it's 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 a horror series written by Joe Hill uh, with amazing mm-hmm. art uh, by Gabriel Rodriguez uh and it ended in two thousand and thirteen. So talk about time flying. Uh it's been over five years since wow. the main book ended. And um I'm excited to say that uh after after a few fits and starts at other places, it is going to be a Netflix show starting next year. Uh, it's already been filmed. So that is very exciting for me. Um I'm sure much more exciting for Joe and uh Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyway, um we I I it's one of those series that I'm I'm always sad that it's gone and i love that every now and then they revisit it. Um they have uh since the main series ended, they have put out a few uh one-shots here or there. They put out uh, a book called Grindhouse which actually came out toward the tail end of the main book. So I guess that doesn't count, but then they put out a one, I think called small world a few years ago. Um, and then this one. So, so dog days is actually two stories. It's a 48 page uh, one shot single issue. Um, uh, I, I didn't realize that the two stories in, in the main story, uh, one of the, 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 the B story, the, the, the smaller of the two, um called nailed it is actually was actually released at San Diego as a San Diego Ashcan exclusive so so some of you may have come across that this is so it's that story plus the main story dog days uh and I can't it's a one shot and it's like you know it's 30 pages so I can't get too into into it without basically giving away the book and I want you to read it but um I will say a couple things about it one uh, if you were a fan of Lock and Key, this is like putting on uh, one you, a favorite pair of jeans that you had forgotten about and you found in the back of your drawer, and they still fit like a glove, and you're just so thrilled that you've rediscovered them. Uh, fits perfectly. Um, it, it it's it's not in any way um, contingent on you. Um, like it doesn't tie into any of the main characters or the or the family. Um, it, it's it's from a different era. So no worries there. On the other hand, um, the conceit of the story, which is that a magic key allows something to happen would be confusing to you. If you're not familiar with lock and key, uh, and, and that being the, the setting, right. Which is that it's a, there's a bunch of, of magic keys that do different things. Um, you have to, I think have that knowledge to fully appreciate this, this story. Cause otherwise you're gonna be like, wait, what the fuck happened? Um, but man, oh man, it's just—it's just a clever story, and and yes, Lock and Key is a horror book. So I understand many of you, I'm sure DAP included, were probably side eyeing this book when it was solicited, worrying that it may have been uh, gory or potentially gruesome to the doggos. I will tell you, um, that is not the case. The doggos come out of this book unscathed. So if any of you were avoiding it or fearful of it, don't have no fear. Doggos are—they're they, just fine, um, and it was—it was terrific. It's just it. I just thought it was it's like uh it, it it's just a, a memory flashpoint it it's it's just a reminder of this wonderful tapestry that uh the two of those guys created for a bunch of years and it's just another little moment or window into that universe that comes and goes and stand alone and uh it's very straightforward it's v- you 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 it doesn't take you many panels to figure out what's happening um, cause there's somebody in the, in the story acting very strange. And, uh, I think, you know, you can kind of quickly piece together why they're acting strangely. Um, but I thought it was clever. If you've, if you're a dog fan, if you have dogs, I don't see how you could read it without smiling ear to ear. Cause let's be honest, dogs do some dumb shit. Right? <laughs> I mean, they really do. Right. I mean, if, yeah. if, if, if dogs were, were human, right. They'd be like special needs people, right? <laughs> like they they do dumb shit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was awesome and I was a little verklempt after because while it was great to have it back it was only 40, issues, 40 pages and I thought, well damn I, I really missed the book. But I didn't realize, shame on me that at San Diego Joe confirmed that they are bringing back Lock and Key proper for another arc called World War Key uh, and it's supposed to be a six issue arc and supposedly it's happening next year probably timing with the netflix series so i'm extremely excited about that and that's not new news that was released uh, back in san diego so it was at july but i i didn't somehow i missed that so yeah so so um so don't don't read this if you've never read lock and key like don't make this your forehand to lock and key cuz i i think that might be a little confusing, but if you are a Lock and Key fan and and have been to Lovecraft before, then please, please, please make sure you you check out this issue.
1: You know, that announcement that you just made makes the Island of Dr. Moreau make sense, because I was wondering why Gabriel would do a two-issue series, and it's just to tide him over now until... He gets to the new lock and key.
2: Probably right, yeah. yeah.
1: Guy's gotta eat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's eating, but I'm guy's sure gotta create, you know. Netflix
2: gotta... has been just throwing that money around, so yeah. Yeah.
1: And and speaking of the island of Doctor Moreau, good God. So gorgeous. I mean that's... Really gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: We didn't talk about that, did we?
1: We didn't. We this should the first I thought we mentioned did we? the first, issue, mentioned the first issue right Yeah, it's only yeah. two issues. We should schedule that yeah. for next week. Oh, okay. Whatever. Okay, yeah. Let's that's fine. That. It's only two issues. Mm. Yeah. Well, before we head out, uh, I got something and it's it's odd, but it's that that kind of weird bit of synchronicity that uh, permeates my my existence. And uh, what better to talk about with the passing of of a man it inextricably linked with this magazine, but uh, the Comics Journal. And mm. uh, I am happy, giddy, even you can hear in my voice, can't you? that um well i'll set it up for a long long time the comics journal was the rudder that steered my uh my 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 tastes if it was vetted in the comics journal hot damn i was on it and um sometimes before i got decent taste uh whenever the uh, congruent instances would come up where I was on something that the Comics Journal was was praising. I was like, all right, I'm in the zone. But uh, many, many years, Comics Journal determined my buying habits. Um, and you can argue that the Comics Journal, what with me reading this newest issue, may have been implicit in my most recent Facebook post. I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, mm. this, this is... The Comics Journal number 304, Summerfall 2019. It is a 200-page prestige format. Um, it's not a once-a-year thing anymore. That was the th- Those once-a-year comics journals, they're gigantic. And it's a lot of words. They're like three inches thick. Mm-hmm. More often than not, I would cherry-pick and read the good stuff. And then I never got back to those volumes i i mean they're on my shelf i can do it whenever i choose but in the way we live and and the, the amount of books that we consume how likely is that right seriously so this is a more digestible uh journal and to tell you the truth i read it cover to cover and the reason why i mean the meat of this book is um an interview that starts On page eighteen, and ends on page one hundred one. So, in keeping with the 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 uh, legacy of the comics journal, it's a long damn interview, and Mm -hmm. it's with with someone I find absolutely fascinating, uh, Simon Hanselman. Um, Simon, of course, is the creator of Megan Mog, and of course, no, see, it's one of those things like fables. I've been reading the work of Simon Hanselman for a long time, but I never bring it to the show because it's mine. And I I don't, I don't particularly like to share all that much Mm -hmm. with certain things. And, and Simon Hanselman is one of those guys. Uh, if, if picture box was still in existence, I think Simon Hanselman would be their number one star. He he's great at Fantagraphics. His books fit f- perfectly well within within the Fantagraphics canon. But visually, I think Simon Hanselman is he's a picture box dude. Transvestite, right? No, cross dresser. That's a transvestite. Um, eh, yeah, okay. That's one of the things that he gets into in in the interview because, obviously, if you Google Simon Hanselman, more often than not, well, most of the images are going to come up of him in a dress with a wig. Mm -hmm. And um, he describes his gender identity as fluid. He just likes to dress up. I mean, he's married to a woman he just likes right. Well, right. yeah he Trans- likes I mean, to dress
2: transvestite is just someone that dresses as the opposite sex it doesn't mean that they yeah no he's not he, the opposite
1: he's, sex. he's not transsexual he's okay transvestite right. yeah
2: yeah yeah no that's yeah. What I'm saying transvestite just means you're a cross-dresser right
1: Eddie Izzard used to be like that I think he, he looks damn good doing it too but that's just my opinion and he uh he goes into his his uh gender issues but the dude has had a phenomenal life um, born in Tasmania, his um, father was a biker, more on the road. I mean, he was never home, and he was raised basically by his mother. His mother, unfortunately, was a uh, an addict. Um, and so, when one reads this, it's like, man, how do you how do you keep going? How do you pick up the pieces and and just exist when you have this right, you just m- do, man. Right, this much stuff in in your history. But he's just I like, Yeah, my mom's a great person. Yeah, she's an addict, but she did her best. You know, she raised me. She she scrubbed toilets and she worked a bar and she did she was a sex worker for some time and and he, he there's one scene that's particularly um shocking where he said like yeah, Christmas morning I'd be open to my presents and I'd have to help my mom shoot up. Mm. But he survived, and he became, I mean, the the guy's a New York Times bestselling author. His books uh, leap onto the charts. Megan Mogg is is amazing. Um, For those who don't know, it's a story of a witch, a werewolf, um, an owl, and a cat. And more often than not, there's rampant drug use in the book. And I don't want to use the slacker term because I don't know if that's outmoded now, but... I, I would guess that it applies, right? Um, and it's it's basically Simon taking his lived experiences and translating them into comics. And you, you may say, "Well, how does that work when you have a, a witch, an owl, a werewolf, and a and a cat?" But he he manages to to um, it, they're not uh, autobiographical comics, but they are in some sense. So he, he filters his experiences through these characters. And I, I just, I, I I love him. I, I think he's the, the, the cat's ass. And um, I haven't brought it to the show until now. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of do because I'm selfish. And, and I keep the things I, I love the most really close. And I I don't share. So maybe in the yeah, future, we'll get into... Simon Hanselman, I hope. But I just it took me I'm guessing maybe three hours to read the entire interview. And mm-hmm. you know, it it, it just it, it uh details his um rise from like he would do the com he's always done comics, but he would he would draw the comics for like um the music community and then he went to Tumblr and then from Tumblr he got noticed and and, and it just exploded. And um, the his his experiences and how he filtered them through the comics and and he's a guy that doesn't pull any punches, like he calls people the c word in the interview. Like, yeah, that guy's a you know a c word. I love him, but but he's he's a c and like so unabashed, very very forthright, very unvarnished commentary by a guy that I think is one of the one of the better dudes coming up. But, I mean, that's not all that's in here. There is a... I love it when I I, I uncover the work of someone I've never seen before, Mm. and there's a a sketchbook in here by a woman, Sophie Franz. And I'm looking at this artwork, and I'm like, holy mackerel! Like, she takes a a collage approach in, Mm -hmm. in, in that the form of her drawings, there are there's compartmentalized images that are visually linked throughout the composition, but it's it's very collage without it being torn paper like there 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 are little little cosmos little instances of of information, and then it'll permeate into something else and there's a a profile of a beautiful black woman, and then there's a a creature lurking in some catacombs with like mushrooms on its head but they're all visually linked and it's gorgeous so as soon as I saw her work I'm like hot damn I went on the twitter I followed this woman like she is phenomenal like, where where else would you see this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and, and there there are other there's a full um, comic called I put on I put in so much work about Laura Lana's that she just she's talking about her craft, and how much uh, emotion and, and time and energy she puts into it. And is it is it worth it? Is it am am I doing something is is, is you know, I'm not making a ton of money at this stuff, but my dedication is is there. And that's uh, the the crux of the issue is labor and economics. And aside from the the Hanselman interview, they they just polled a bunch of artists and they said, you know, are you where you thought you would be, in terms of of um, the filthy lucre? I mean, did, and most of them said, you know, I'm glad I'm 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 um, lucky to have a job to pay the bills, and then I go home at night and I do comics, and that seems to be the 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 running thread through this thing that comics can't support uh a family. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it it's it's a it's a themed issue. Uh there is an investigation on the uh the Comics Guild that was started by Neil Adams. And he tried to unionize comic artists in the the uh, 70s, late 70s, mm-hmm. and they had one meeting and and then nothing ever became of it. But it's a a litany of just what happened at the first meeting? Jim Shooter showed up and just disrupted the whole thing. I bet. Yeah, uh, but uh. It, Giordano makes some comic comment, comments. Bill Matlow's in here, so it, I mean it's very, uh, it, you know, you'll learn something from this. Shaken's in there. Uh, this is a phenomenal issue. So if you are if, if you have a good chunk of hours, because this this issue will take you at least. Cover to cover, at least six, seven hours to read. Mm-hmm. Get scoop it up. Comics Journal three o four, cover story Simon Hanselman and other stuff. It's phenomenal. So for those that uh,
2: are on the digital tip, I'm very excited. I see that Mega Hex and Megan Mog in Amsterdam are available. On Comicsology
1: Unlimited, yeah, I don't think Bad Gateway is. That's the recent one. No, no, that book is probably too new. But yeah, but, uh, but. And, and and if you go to Simon's um, store, Envy, he does these little. I I was lucky enough to grab two of them. He had a he he threw something up on Instagram last night uh, that you know two more zines coming up. One a new one, one a reprint. They're they're starting at nine o'clock Pacific, and I waited and I refreshed and I got them. They're not cheap though. Nice. They're like for 20, let's just say 28 pages, he charges mm-hmm. 10 bucks a piece. But wow. if you look at the aftermarket on Hanselman stuff on eBay, 10 bucks is a bargain because there's dudes asking like 60, 70 bucks a piece for these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so far, the zine stuff that he self publishes hasn't at least to my knowledge hasn't translated into the books yet if ever, so i'm good but yeah i I love Simon, good God, I think his work is just extraordinary. I am baffled that all the years we've known each other this
2: is the first time I hear you speak of of him,
1: like I said i i some some things are uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like sharing.
2: But then, when you say that, it makes me wonder if you even want us to read
1: this. Um, I think, <laughs> I think it's up in the air. I, I, I don't know if, if you'll connect with it. I'm, and I'm not saying that as a, a, a comment on your character. I, I think that this may not be the stuff for you, Simon's work. I think that Dap would be I a little just, more. Um, would eke into it a little easier but i think you may put up a bit of a struggle okay but that's again that's knowing what i know about your tastes well i'm very mega hex and then i if i don't like it i will not tell you okay because i don't want to
2: rain on your parade
1: i have yet to meet simon but the day i do mm, hold me back
2: hold you back hold me back that takes apparently, balls. Apparently he made that with Gary Groth at one
1: point. Yeah. Um, he just, like I said, he fascinates me. The the resolution. He's so resolved in his character that he can go into public dressed as he does and just, just do it. That to me is, I, I find that so... Uh, gratifying, and uh, as, I just think it's amazingly brave. Sure, because you know well, and, you, you know the it, kind of people that are out there. Yeah, and I mean, look, he, Ch-
2: uh, the, Chuck Rosansky, right? Yeah, how, how old is he? He's in his sixties, and he he became a crossdresser and came out. Right? I mean, yeah. it's I, I don't mean came out like you know what I mean. He came yeah. out as a crossdresser. He's he's a heterosexual. It, it it's man, a, it's a
1: double threat with me where I admire Simon's visual voice as much as i admire his personal voice where Mm -hmm. he where Mm -hmm. he is just um resolute in the fact that this is who i am you don't like it you can just go fuck off right i i find that very 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 attractive i get that yeah so there you go comics journal 304 scoop it up it is Mm. wonderful it's back The, the the initial issue that they they relaunched it. Uh, 303 is good, but mm-hmm. it, there was a lot of things in it that did really capture my attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It happens. This one, bada boom. I, I got a little nit to pick with one of your favorites. One of mine? Mhm.
2: What that? Uh I wanted to surprise you this week by reading something that is squarely in your <laughs> wheelhouse so oh, we can no. talk about it together. <laughs> What was it? And (laughs) it it was Uncle Scrooge number 50. Uncle Scrooge number 50 by IW. Oh, really? And my nit is that I just don't know that there's a lot to say. Like, it's, I I thought, oh, a milestone issue. Awesome. And it was solicited as a big deal. Like, it was solicited as, oh, a big milestone issue. It's just an issue. Like, it's fun. I I thought it was fun. I, like, I enjoyed it, but it, it was just two stories from Italy packaged together. Uh, it was the fourth or fifth, the final of a ongoing arc, as one of the stories, and then a standalone story. And I, like I said, I enjoyed them as I have enjoyed every Duck comic I've read. Um, but but I I couldn't discern, especially because they hyped
1: it as a big deal.
2: What what I, I didn't seem like it was. It just seemed like another issue.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover. It's definitely not. And, and I'm also looking at the names, and, and, and most of them are recognizable to me, but it doesn't, you're right, it doesn't seem like a something that should be a testament to IDW doing 50 issues of Uncle Scrooge.
2: Yeah, I mean, these were published originally in 2017, in Italy, sure. so it wasn't like these were Rosa or Barks, and again, I enjoyed them. It's two stories um, featuring the whole gang, and, uh, you know, Magica and Scrooge, and the Beagle Boys, and, uh, you know, it was cool, and... I dug it. I Like, it was fun. I hadn't read a duck book in a year or two, and I thought, oh, this was fun. But I just didn't have a lot to say beyond that. I didn't I, – it wasn't – it just didn't strike me as even worth a deep dive because I do kind of feel like if you've read an Uncle Scrooge comic before, this is what you would expect of an Uncle Scrooge comic. It just didn't feel important or, I guess, more important or grandiose like you would think of an uh, anniversary issue.
1: Right. Well, it's probably, at IDW anyway, just another in a string, you know? Um, right. I haven't read this issue yet, so I can't comment on it. But there's a level of quality that you get with the Italian guys that's awesome. So it, it, if it's more of the same, can you really denigrate a title because it's the same high quality that it's always? Yeah. Well, you know it, what I mean? to be clear, I'm not trying to denigrate it. I no, know I know.
2: Off that way. I, 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 like I said, I enjoyed it. But it just felt like I could have just as easily, it could have been issue number 37. I, it could have just been like, oh, I just had to read a Scrooge comic. Well, that's, and, yeah, that's what
1: it looks like yeah. to me. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. there's anything really out of the ordinary in here. But, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Who's yeah. To, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so. It's a nice, well, both of them are really nice covers.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I see here, Dap, you have not yet read Space Bandits number five.
0: Oh, shit. No, I did. It's oh, weird. It's weird.
1: You're meticulous with your list. It's true. I thought I Yeah, he's have... got shit on his list from like months and months and months ago. Oh shit, hell yeah. yeah.
2: Uh well, okay. You did
1: read it
0: then. I did what read it. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. It was um yes. it was it was a fitting ending. It, I it think made they a lot of the sense. landing hard. Yeah, I mean I don't know if it needed to be five issues because there may have been okay. some things okay. in the middle that um dragged out a little bit, but yeah. as far as, um, these two women, uh, I, I mean, yes, some of it was predictable, but it's, um, it looked great, but I, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I was a fan of it, and I guess it, um, I mean, I'm not reading it, but I, I guess it, it ends with some sort of dangling storyline that may tie into one of Miller's other minis, but, um, yeah, I think is a, it's, I mean, aside from that, I thought it was pretty, a pretty solid story, self-contained, and, um, and, and I was happy with it. It wasn't, um, it's, it's nothing too heavy. It's nothing that, you know, um, it's not gonna make you sit back and think. It was just, it, it was, a, it, it, it was a popcorn flick. It was an entertaining, um, 90 minute romp with, uh, with, with, with two women who, um, are tired of taking shit so i i really liked it you just summed up mark miller
2: <laughs> no i mean uh you know i know you've come i think when we started this here podcast you were not necessarily mark miller's biggest fan yeah um i feel like you've mellowed out on that a bit yeah i i very much am entertained by miller but i think you hit the nail on the head i mean this is a he 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 is extremely good at doing these quick hitting relatively simplistic plot stories, but you get in and get out and you're entertained. I mean, that's, I think that's become his, uh, his modus operandi, but I think it's served him well, uh, and obviously making him an absolute boatload as these, as these things are all going to, in the next few years, become Netflix shows, um, or movies, um, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I was a little down on this. Um, like we were into the first issue or two, yeah. And then I think we briefly touched on three and four, and I said to you like, oh, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of losing me a little bit, just because I, I agree. With you. It just felt like it was kind of in, just almost in maintenance mode. But I thought the fifth issue, he stuck the landing. I love the twist. I love the way they, they get they get their, the 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 protagonists get their comeuppance. I love the in essence it was like a space version of the ending of, of, of Trading Places, one of my yeah. favorite movies, um, so that I was down with, I, I, yeah I really enjoyed the ending, I thought it was great I, I, I again, not, not, you know, we're not talking Watchmen level mind blowing, no. yeah. holy shit I can't believe you just pulled that off, but it's a, it's like a heist film and any good heist film has a cool twist at the end where the where the protagonist Get, get their victory, and that's what happened here, and and it made me smile. And of course, I'm a massive Scalera Mark, um, and and I it was it, it, and it was particularly fun to see Matteo drawing something other than Black Science because he's basically been exclusive to Black Science for six years. Um, now that said, as I mentioned with the first issue, it's still him drawing space stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would love. I know I know. Taylor's plan here is to take a much-deserved break and, and do covers and do some painting, and um, I think he's not going to be doing comics work, at least that, that was his plan. Maybe it's changed, but his plan was when we last talked to him that he was going to take a year or so off and just decompress, and he deserves it. But when he comes back, I look forward to seeing him draw something not said in space, not because I haven't adored all of this. I mean, I absolutely do. Hell, I own a bunch of pages of his stuff in space, but... But it's just because he's so talented. I, I I would love to see him stretch in another direction.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, thumbs up, man. I mean, Miller's usually a hit for me.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's I there. mean, like,
2: but it varies though, because like the Quapell book, I loved, love, love, loved,
0: and that's sitting right here waiting to be read. So, I'll but read like that the
2: scene. Albuquerque books, not a huge fan. Again, I'm a fan of the art, but I'm not a fan of the like Huck I
0: was not. Yeah, a fan Huck of. wasn't. Right. Yeah. yeah. So but and then so it's things like like the um I know I keep calling it the Flash Gordon rip, but it's it's. I, I think it's Birthright. But you know there are some there are some that I I do dig, but you know we weren't keen on Reborn. We weren't right. um weren't Emperor keen on Huck. And and I I did um you know, but I I did like um oh crap i just had it on tip my tongue um kingsman and i mean the sequel the follow-up comic wasn't wasn't as good as the first one but i i enjoyed that especially with the gibbons on art actually no i'm sorry um uh, Miller didn't write the um the follow-up that may have been uh but there you know, so so i like it when he when he has a couple of issues to tell the story get in and get out. Whereas you know things like where where he loses me is with things like kick ass where he's just he's trying or wanted where he's I'm going to just be so outrageous and and mm-hmm. try to push the envelope and it's like it's it's kind of you know not not necessary but um but you know I think i i red sun is one of my favorite Elword stories, and um you know i I adore uh, enemy of the state, and and hell yeah, I, I think I think that was one of the one of the mm-hmm. best Wolverine stories. Sweet I common. mean, and I but then you know I wasn't um, when he uh, wrapped up that that Wolverine title with uh, the old man Logan. I just you know I mean that's it was cool. I, I know you know people dug it and and, and I know the cool. guys loved it, but you know I just it was I I don't know what it was with me. I don't know if it was just. It 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 didn't. I not say he was trying too hard. It was just one of those things where it's just it's, you know, a lot of it is, is. And McNiven on art was cool, but it's just I don't know. It, I I just was, and but maybe it's something I'll look at in a couple of years and say you know. You can immediately haven't mentioned the Ultimates, which I would think is probably his most successful. That is, yeah, bore. no, it is, and maybe that's just my Brian Hitch block, but no, it's it's definitely, um, yeah, I, I I really really. Like the Ultimates Oh I guess as well. Civil War
2: is probably his as biggest. As,
0: that's probably as, right.
2: I was just saying Ultimates, but but I, I don't know. What, what would you guys say is more successful commercially? Ultimates or Civil War? Probably Civil War, right? I guess I, they're both massive. Mean,
0: I don't. I mean, it's Civil War is you know it's it at the time you know people it it got the Marvel fans all all hyped because you know whose side were you on and it was all cool I mean, with the media were, marketing.
2: Both, both but are all Ult- war to the. MCU.
0: No, see, I don't. I don't know about both. I, the Ultimates, absolutely, without a doubt, one hundred percent. Civil War. Yeah, it's you know, it's the name of a Captain America movie, and and yes, they were they were on. Oh, cool. They were on um, on both sides in that movie, but it's it's like the Age of Ultron title. It's like that really didn't have a lot to do.
2: That's true. That's fair. That you're, you're right. That's fair.
0: And now Did now we, we lose are. Vince. Do we lose yeah. Vince when we start talking yeah. about Mark Miller? <laughs> yep. Yeah. When we start talking about Mark Miller's Marvel work, yeah.
2: Well, I don't think. Vin- I mean, I- I- I've pretty much talked about every Miller world miniseries that's come out, and I don't I think about. It, I can't think of Vince ever s- even commenting that he's that he thought it sounded good, and he plans on reading it. <laughs> mm, so no.
1: What well, is yes. it about Miller that you don't that doesn't resonate with you? I just don't find his books Too straightforward. Yeah, I just don't find his books attractive. I, I don't know. Attracted? No, not visually. Um, story wise, I mean, mm. he's not, he, he's never been an author that really compelled me to, to follow him. I don't know why. Mm. Maybe, maybe, uh, a deep investigation as to why that is, 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 yeah. is, is due. But yeah, I think he's, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly capable. It's just that I, will say I, that I don't think his voice is anything special or compelling to me he has gotten to work with some amazing yes. artists
0: yes he oh, has absolutely yeah and uh, i mean and he's 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 done some some stellar runs with i mean aside from he he's worked on the flash with with morrison and and, and he's he spent some time with with superman so he's yeah, i have no window into that i don't think i've ever read anything from him in dc but okay
1: well i you i, I sure that's read, sun. Uh, red sun you read yeah, red? Yeah. okay i like yeah. red sun yeah I'll, I'll give um, him a, a big pat for that one. And and Boltons was in the Civil War, so yeah. Oh, next to Civil War was, um, I mean, it initially uh, it was good, but then it—I think it overstayed its welcome. Mm-hmm. Lasted too long, but the the uh, uh, the initial nugget was certainly compelling enough, right?
2: Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I very much enjoyed both Jupiter's Legacy and Jupiter's Circle which were quietly in Wilfredo Torres. Torres yeah. Uh as you said I was not a huge fan of Reborn which is his Poppy Capula partnership. Yeah. Uh very much enjoyed Starlight which uh he did with Goran Parlov. By the way that's uh,
0: a flash gore one. Okay. By the way
2: speaking yeah. of that uh shout out to Mr. Parlov. I know yes. we're all huge fans of his work. He had I believe it was a stroke, right? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had a stroke. Yeah. He's doing well. He's yes. been posting. He, he's the he's man. he's in recovery. It looks like, not that there's any such thing as a mild stroke, but it looks like it wasn't uh, permanently dis- de- debilitating. He does have, as with as is common with a stroke, um, loss of feeling and, and movement on one side of his body. But it looks like, at least based on his positive outlook, that it's the doctors think he'll get his his range of motion back. So, I
0: hope I hope that general. I hope Mister Parlov. Uh, gets better very soon cuz he's I, an immensely talented person. And 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 as a and selfishly aside from the art side of things, he um he mm-hmm. is since he's in my friends list on Facebook, he he is he constantly uh up until up until the 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 hospital stay. Um we both play Angry Birds Friends, oh my and god. he no seriously. Oh <laughs> my god! He, wow, he he constantly is ranked first, and 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 who loves that I, game? Huh? I knew I knew something was up because for the past few rounds, I've been first. He he has come back oh, and he's he's, he's played a couple. But I was just like, but so I I need him to come back because it, it it's not this is not the right order of things. There, there's the time stamp to spin so. Twelve years into our show,
2: we just hit a new pinnacle. Dap is bragging about besting a man who just had a stroke. <laughs> <That's> not what <laughs> I hate. Any way oh. you can win, my friend. Holy shit, that's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um I very much liked uh, my uh, MPH uh, with Duncan for um, liked I wouldn't say very much liked, but I liked the first series of Chrononauts, which was Sean Murphy. Um, as you said uh, already, yeah. Depp. I mean, Huck wasn't really. I wasn't really feeling Huck, which was his first book with Raphael Albuquerque. Then he did Prodigy uh, more recently with Albuquerque, which I also wasn't much of a fan of. Um, uh, Kickass. I, I will say about Kickass. I mean, certainly that's made Miller probably the most money of any of his products. I, I, I thought the first. I I like the first series well enough um with Ramita. I, I will say between that and Enemy of the State, uh Miller has gotten the best Ramita that there is to get visually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean
2: yeah. Romita has been into those books. Um uh, I think Ramita is one of those guys who, who you can at least I think you can tell when he's really into a book and when he's not. Um and I I absolutely adore the Magic Order. In fact, uh I'm hoping that this uh mystery sequel that uh he's been teasing uh, is is a sequel to The Magic Order. I, I, I And I'm hoping that in two, for two reasons. One, because I loved The Magic Order. But two, uh, I don't recall seeing Olivier Coypel's name attached to any other comics work since then. So I'm hopeful that that's been because he's been slavishly finishing mm. up the second arc. Because all those other artists uh, are working on other projects. Doesn't mean they couldn't have also found the time to to fit this aforementioned sequel in but the one that i don't recall seeing in any solicits for a minute has been quapel
0: yeah even the variant dc covers like he did a few mm-hmm. for for tom's batman and then that was that was the last i've really seen of him yeah
1: hmm. neato i got nothing else <laughs> all right everybody uh, do
0: have um we do have so a shout out
1: Right on the on the Slack, Mister Davin. Does doesn't he get a shout out? Yeah, should Davin. Yeah, Davin passes. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. on the
0: Slack. Yes. Um, the but speaking of the Slack and Patreon and um, our book of the month oh. has been and the well the the voting is still open until Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell and them what it is voices are it is a. It started off hella close, and it's still close with some of the top choices, but um, I'm happy to say that every single one has been voted on. But you have, um, for your choices this month, Agents of Atlas, and that is specifically the miniseries by by Jeff Parker and and Leonard Kirk. Um, But if you have the collection that contains that, um, that, that's really what we're looking for even though there are a couple of collections of that out there. The Authority Volume 1, Black Hole, which I picked up from the library today just in case it wins uh, Brat Pack Flaming <laughs> Carrot Omnibus Volume 1, Grendel Tales Omnibus, that actually should be a Volume 1, uh, Heavy Liquid, Lazarus Volume 1, Tree Volume 1, Park Bench and Planetary Volume 2 the fourth man and um it was it's it's been going back and forth between the authority and heavy liquid wow so if if uh you know you can. While you can only vote for one thing, you can change your vote up until the deadline. So if, if you have voted for something that you think isn't going to win and there's something else that you'd like to read or hear us talk about that may be close to winning, but isn't quite there, then by all means, you know, go ahead and, and have some fun this time around. And um I I, I I'm really I just I have been watching it throughout the days and, and I love seeing some of the um some of the numbers jump around a little bit. I don't, I, it really doesn't matter which whichever one of these wins. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading. And, um, I will say that, uh, the majority of the items here I've never read or haven't read fully. So I'm, I'm looking forward to anything here. Um, and for those of you who may be new to the show or, or new to the, um, to the book of the month process, the reason why, Planetary, the second volume, is on this list is because over two years ago, on episode 486, we discussed the first trade. So um, I I, I threw it on here because I figured it was – it might be time to catch up with it again. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see.
2: Well, I I will say that uh, as seems to often be the case when we have a list of 11 – uh, the two that it's going back and forth are two of the few that I've already read. So, but I like I love them both. So happy to revisit them. Um, also, um, not only do we need to shout out uh, Davin Pasek for joining the Slack tier, but uh, I don't believe we shouted out Jonathan Yen. Did we?
0: We may have when he, when he, when 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 he.
2: Oh, when you he, got the uh, shout uh, out here, right? Right, because they both, gen- right, both gentlemen are yes. already in the shout out here. Yeah, yes. do it again. It doesn't the, cost anything. Yeah, I'm with Vince. I yeah. think we should shout oh, out. Absolutely. If, if, you, if you go from the shout out tier to the Slack tier, you're going to shout out again because that's uh, an even I mean, that
0: also there. includes Jeff Carter. That that's also true, too. Thank you. you. Yes, is, is correct. correct. So,
1: you know, we have and uh, you, uh, you get reach arounds.
0: Well, yes, when, when after Vince puts the lotion on the skin, yes,
1: <laughs> yes, correct. yes.
0: The slacks pick. We got a bunch of
2: folk up in there. Oh, now. it's crazy. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, past been couple a little
2: d- momentum there. The last few, we got a whole slew of new people.
1: Yeah. Yes. We. And have.
2: we. I know you mentioned that we mentioned it last week, but Hassan's
1: up in there now. And
2: yes. Yeah.
1: I got to get back to that. Past couple of days have been very busy.
0: Same. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. I've been holding it down. It's true. <laughs> I. I actually. I have. I have some. Because I, I. I. I haven't been able to get back in and and do a blast of you know things that we've been up to. I mean, the weekend weekend was stupid, and and I couldn't really. I wasn't on the socials much at all, and and with work, as soon as I get home, the last thing I want to do is mess around with the computer. So I just I kind of block everything out. But I popped into post the. Uh, the new release list and and checking on folks but i was reading everything and i have a running list of everything i want to go back to and i talk bet you about, do whether it's whether it's you know the leasing of the vehicles and and i mean yeah and and everybody's good news with rod's dad yeah and 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 barrett and you know shout out to kevin quass i mean there's there's a lot of of good news in this thread so i want to make sure you know nobody gets you know,
2: brian's husband getting the, the new JSA. yes yes mm-hmm. yes it's good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. and if you can't tell by these two fools there is definitely a very familial atmosphere at, on the slacks it's just one oh big, yeah it's all family there. one big happy family yep yeah, um, we keep it 100 we do and th- there are things that uh we will say on the slack that don't get said on the podcast it's like I mean, Vegas, what
2: happens in Slack. Yeah, like, in terms and of... Until we ter- get a giant hack and then it's all put on the ether and then we're right. embarrassed. And have to but but no,
1: I mean even if they <laughs> did hack us and they, they took the comments of, current comments on, on, on comics that have come out the past couple months, um, I don't think it would be, it, it would not debilitate the people, uh, co- the, 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 the subjects of the comments because we all do it with taste. And a little bit of tact, and you're just like you know, not feeling this, but love this guy and or gal, but I I, I don't understand what's going on with this comic. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very very um, with peace and love, respectful Oof. to the creators because you know sometimes you just don't, sometimes you don't hit the mark, and it's okay.
2: We've had so many new people join the Slack that Rod Hedrick said, "Damn, we need name tags."
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's fun. And we hope you have had that with this episode. I surely did, and hope my brothers did too. Uh, in the meantime, would you please check out our sponsor? Because who in the world wants to spend full price for comics? No one. Zero go go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Check out from Antarctic Press, Planet Comics number one, dollar ninety nine. Protector number one from Image, dollar ninety nine, and from the Action Lab, Danger Zone, it's Twin Worlds number one dollar ninety nine it's a trend y'all in the meantime in your travels, I would love if you would check out from Ann Simon and Fanagraphics this this book is called the Empress Sixtissis now if you are
0: really you are doing this now
1: I am doing it now damn Jesus. it hilarious it's been on Daps list for like seven months sorry
0: it's, it hasn't Seriously, been seven
1: whatever. months. But anyway, well, it's been on this list for like a long ass time, right? We, I won't go deep, but I will say um, we <sighs> talked about the song of Aglaya when it came yes. out, and it was yes. wonderful. Yes. This is the follow-up, in which we return to Barbara Ann and um, Queen Aglaya. But what's the rub on this book? Okay, you have Tissis, who's the Empress of Chichnia. And she drums up this scheme to get all the men out of Barbaran by saying, hey, we got a lot of gold in Chechnya. Why don't you come and mine here and get rich? And your life will change and you'll be, it'll just be wonderful. But she kidnaps all of the Barbaran men. And some of them, she cuts their, their testicles off. She, make, she makes them eunuchs. So okay. in in Barbara Ann Aglaya's like was my mother's name, by the way. Sorry, ba ba ba. Yep. Well, it's not a good memory, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. So in Barbara Ann Six uh, Aglaya's, what are we gonna do? We got no men. So she reaches out to her old buddy.
0: Not just her old buddy.
1: Well, I know, but she reaches out to Damien the crocodile, and she's like, "Why don't you come back? We got no men." in, in, in uh, Barbara Ann, why don't you please just come back? But the the, the rub of it is sixtissis six comes to a little peace conference or so she, they, it it seems, with Aglaya. And she's like, look, we know you got all our men. What can we do to, to get them back? And blah, blah, blah. But um, Aglaya's gal Friday, Simone, notices that Sixtyces has a very particular dietary requirement. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Um, even though Damien cooked up the best ratatouille he could muster, Sixtissis didn't want it. She only consumes the milk, the breast milk, from her, her two servants. And they are not allowed to consume anything out of the ordinary. She wants the milk pure (coughs) and from the tap. So Simone, Aglaya's gal Friday, picks up on this, and she concocts a plan to get one under Sixtissus. Meanwhile, Sixtissus notices that Aglaya has been going to this spot every night bringing french fries and there's a there's a a a pack of men still within the 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 bounds of Barbara Ann one of them being um Henry Aglaya's husband so hilarity some hilarity ensues and the story develops from there I thought it was wonderful it was so great to get back to this world um, there's the matter of Aglaya's crown that is resolved early in the book. Sixtissis is a bitch, a royal friggin' bitch, and um, she tries to get one over Aglaya, but I'll be honest, it, it, it all comes out in the end, and it's wonderful. It's, it, I, I find this land so compelling. I'm sure Dap feels the same way. Um, as every good fantasy epic, there's a friggin' map. In the in the beginning. Uh at the end there's a, a roll call of the Men of Suffragette City, which is uh, the capital of Bahrain. And uh I, I just thought it was great. It it's very uh uh Simon's cartooning is very organic and very uh We went into the Beatles' influence, and it's not so much in this volume. In the first volume, Song of Aglaya," there's a very, very strong Beatles' influence. Um, In this, you maybe see the creature that was um, designed in the wake of the blue meanies, you know, in one section. So uh, there's anthropomorphic french fries. Um, Again, duplicity and uh, eventual murder. Which is great. But uh I just thought it's wonderful. The the page uh pages go from uh like a milky uh taupe cover to full color and then they go back to like uh a, a, that, that milky pinkish colour. It's just wonderful. I, I don't know what else to say other than if you if you like compelling uh fantasy with a feminist bent to it. Check out the Empress Sixtissus. It is a sequel. You need to read the Song of Aglaya first, and we talked about it. If you don't want to read it, go back to the episode where we talked about it. But a little hardcover. It's it's just wonderful. Dap, back me up.
0: It is absolutely wonderful. I my my only complaint is that it is shorter than the song. It it, of, it is I'd lie, yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, there's a lot more color in this than there is and. Yes. in the first one but yeah it is it's it's um but i mean yes it is it it's not a complaint it's yes i'm 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 not i'm sad that it is a shorter book but it is just the right length for this story it's it's not there's nothing um there's no filler there's nothing padded everything every, every page is filled with something you need for this story It it is an absolute joy um yeah, these are two books that are going to go on the shelf next to each other and 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 be very happy there. I um and there's a I, fi- I there's a
1: third one coming out. Excellent. I um Let's I can't it. wait.
0: It's it's a no brainer.
1: Yeah, it's at the end of this. Um, they, oh, is it? Yeah, they say uh blah 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 blah. The saga of Queen Aglaya and the citizens of Barbara Ann will continue in Boris the Potato Child.
0: Yes, okay. I see right down there. Okay.
1: So compelling. and It has
0: been that hasn't been solicited though, right?
1: No, no. no. Okay. But right. I'm I'm glad we talked about Gilbert Hernandez earlier in this episode because Alegia is very much in the Hernandez uh mold. She's she's a very strong, very determined woman, but she's not she's flawed. She has her shortcomings. Uh she knows well, she can't keep her legs together. I mean, She's she's with um, the rock guy. What's his name? Gary. Is it Gary? The rock dude that, that fathered her first child?
0: Yeah, by the French fries. Um, yeah. Well, Vince, you know now that. Um, Philip.
1: It's Philip. 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 Yes. So,
0: yeah, just turn right to the page. Um, between the Hernandez book and the Comics Journal, and now this, we got to fit the graphics o Rama. We do. Um
1: it's the first time in a long long time we'd had a pretty, True yeah. that is true. Uh I do
0: not have something for Fantographics. Um and I I read this and I really really wanted to love it. it. it's still something I think um fans of Garth and especially his Punisher will enjoy. Um and uh since since Jason brought up Grand Parlov, I figured it, it it it's it's somewhat fitting, although however this is, this is illustrated by Jason Burroughs and um, Guillermo Ortego this is Punisher Soviet and it's it may be somewhat predictable um but it is still very much a Punisher story, it might feel a little tame for a Punisher story by Garth but um now do you, you know, know if Goren was supposed to draw this? And then No, I don't think he was. I oh. I, I think it was always because even when before, right before it was solicited, I think um Burroughs was uh hinting that, you know, he had something big coming. Okay. And and so I I'm, I'm pretty sure he's always attached. Um, but uh this was um you know, it it's it's definitely Garth writing Frank, and and there's no two ways about it. But there's a um the, the issue starts off with Frank uh in the middle of a murder scene, uh bunch of dudes in a room, all shot. Um but the weapon used to kill them isn't something is something that had to be used by someone who could handle it. This uh this assault rifle was um is very easy to lose control of. And and so for someone to be able to um, do the headshots like this before the people could even pull their weapons um, takes a, a a trained and steady hand. So Frank's impressed with someone's work. Um, And there's a, um, there's a Russian who's about to pretty much go legit. He's, uh, he's done everything he could on the dirt side of things. And, and now he's, uh, his, his money is going to be able to be laundered in more legit businesses and he'll be able to retire to an Island and pretty much escape and become untouchable. Um, so Frank wants to get to him before, before that happens. And he, um, he, has a plan. Plan goes through without a hitch. He um, he ends up capturing one of, um, one of, one of the boss's goons. Uh, while the goon is being interrogated, he's saying that um, he's under the impression that Frank has been hitting them, has been taking them out for a while now. But actually, it isn't Frank. It's the guy who... It's whoever took out the guys at the beginning of this issue that, that, that Frank found. So, um, you know, Frank and this guy pretty much have, have similar methods and, and, uh, outcomes, but can't take credit for, for the work this dude's doing. Um, so he needs to find out who this guy is and, and find out, you know, how their where their paths are going to cross. And, um, that kind of happens in this issue. And, you know, basically for lack of a better term, we, we we kind of see, um, the Russian punisher. I'll just say for now, after reading this issue, um, that's kind of what this is now, now, whether this guy is just taking out Russians because he, he may be Russian or has something specifically against, I mean, maybe Russian skilled his family. I don't know, but, um, I don't, it's definitely a Punisher story. I don't know if it's something that I'd be like, hey, Garth is coming back to Frank and this is the story we've been dying for. I don't know if I can say that just yet. It it's it looks cool. It looks clean. Um, I'm used to... I'm used to Porlova. I'm, I'm used to Steve Dillon. I'm used to um the end of Fernandez. This is a little clean for me, but it still gets the... Um, the point across but i i you know i i don't i'm not i wanted to love this i said this also in the best thing thread i i wanted to love this when i read it and and i like it um i just i know what what girth can do with frank and and um i just i guess because that's so high up on the pedestal for me um I'm not. He's not phoning it in by any means. It's still. It, it it's a strong story. It's just. It's not. Um, it doesn't have the oomph that other Punisher stories have had for me. But I I, I think if if um if you've missed Garth on Punisher, and you didn't think you were going to be, you didn't think you know this this was up your alley for whatever reason. You didn't think. Uh, I think actually. I think the weakest parts are the uh which 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 pains me to say um are the uh Paulo Rivera vera covers the the first issue mm. cover i wasn't real thrilled with and then when i see the second issue cover at the back of this i was like yeah this isn't i don't it, it's it's not i've i've seen much better work from him mm-hmm. um but at least it's not i don't want to say at least it's not bradstreet but you know it's not timothy bradstreet so um
1: and just take a picture <laughs> just, you know, it's oh, not that one dude. it's not that it's
0: not that it's not that skinny Shotgun. old dude with the scar on his face but pew, 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 pew. it's uh yeah no it's you know listen it's it's a punisher book by garth you'll you'll like it and 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 you know you'll like it um as as a as a long-time punisher fan especially a garth punisher fan um i'm i'm just i'm going to i'm not going to say i absolutely adored it and, and you'll love it i just i i wanted to love it i'm still glad i read it it's just um there's just something there, and maybe I'm just my 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 expectations are too high when it comes to to Garth writing Frank, and and you know maybe I'm wrong. Is, someone will read it and tell me, but I um in your travels, I'm telling you anyway. Go ahead, give Punisher Show Soviet a shot. Occur.
2: Okay. Um, so in your travels, it probably goes without saying. I know Vince has been championing this all week, but please make sure you watch the freaking Mandalorian on Disney Plus because it's fucking awesome. In, be,
0: in between episodes of uh The Watchmen of course. I watched it for the third time last night. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: great. it really is great. Now it's only yeah. one and half episode and of course yes. lots more to come and next one's right tomorrow to, night. Yep, reserve the right to change our views and all that, but 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 Oof. man oh man, uh you know, for for a very hyped launch of a network um and, and admittedly your mileage may vary as to whether the network is right for you at this moment, because it is largely betting on nostalgia at the moment, right? I mean, outside of there are a few other new shows, but the only new fiction show in Canon of either Marvel or DC right now is this Mandalorian. And so it's a big ask. I mean, John Favreau's got a lot of pressure on him right now to kind of carry the network at launch. Um, but uh, the first episode certainly did its part. So that was awesome. Uh, but in terms of what you should read, um, in keeping with uh, with uh, with, noir, with noir, so so perk up, Vince. Um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> uh, oh from God. Image Comics. <clears throat> bless you, from Image Comics. Uh, by uh, written by Matt Fraction, uh, with beautiful uh, illustrations by Elsa Charretier, uh, with uh, colors by Matt Hollingsworth and uh, letters by Kurt and kinney who is a good cartoonist in his own right. Uh, November, Volume 1, The Girl on the Roof. This is a novella. It's a hardcover uh, OGN, but it's a novella. It is 74 pages of story, uh, and it is Volume 1 of 3, uh, where um, it's Fraction doing what I think he does best, which is telling crime stories. Um, and I... There were certainly parts of Fraction's long run at Marvel that I enjoyed, but I, I do genuinely think he's one of those people that's better served telling his own stories. And um, this is the first, to, to, to quote the book itself, it is uh, the first of a sequence of three graphic novellas um, that uh, are telling the story of three different women. Who are all uh, tied into the criminal underworld of the city, uh, and are inextricably linked through uh, a mysterious man. And um, over the course of these three books, we'll find out the highs, the the hows, and wherefores of, of how they are linked. But uh, but I thought this was a home run. Um, Elsa's work, for those not familiar, is um, it's it's a very clean of the it's it's of the it's of the Bruce Tim Victor Santos Leandro Fernandez vibe um, i think the book also is done a great service by Hollingsworth's flat colors so anyone that's a fan of the darwin parker books or the polar books or any of that stuff this fits right in with that uh, both visually and aesthetically mm-hmm. um,
1: the cover's spectacular
2: I, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um and the first one is essentially four chapters. We're introduced to each of the three women. Um the 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 titular character, the uh the girl on the roof, is basically the the, the centerpiece of this first volume. Um her name is Dee. She um she is um disabled. She walks with a like a uh, she has, a, I don't know whether it's a, I don't know what the disability is, but she has a cane, like a a walking cane, that she has to use to get around. Um, and she goes to a diner every morning, very early. She gets the newspaper hot off the presses from the from the newsstand the second it's available, and goes into a diner and does a crossword. She's a bit of a, uh, you know, I don't know if she's got Asperger's or something, but she's kind of obsessive compulsive about doing the crossword and a. A mysterious man approaches her one day at the diner and says, um, "I see you love puzzles. I'm going to there's going to be a word code puzzle in the classifieds of the newspaper every day uh, if if I will pay you five hundred dollars cash to decipher this code for me and then uh, broadcast it on the radio to someone." from your rooftop. and oh,
1: uh, I'd be what? laid out. I would be laid out. What do you if, mean? If anybody ever presented me with... I love puzzle games. Mm-hmm. If anyone challenged me like that, I would be... Uh, they'd have me. I would have to do it. Yeah, well... I, sure. I, I need to solve a puzzle.
2: So there you go. So she takes him up on it, and every day <laughs> her job is essentially to Ugh. solve a puzzle, and then she walks up to her rooftop where the pigeons are and she has a radio and she inputs the code into the radio and then the light turns from red to green and she does this without any knowledge as to what the code is who's going to, what the green light means, any of that um, and over the course of the novella she has an re- interactions with the man and essentially says, well what happens if I miss a day and essentially he's like, don't miss a day um, and then she's like well what happens if you don't give me the if I don't see the code in the classifieds and then he says, then the it means the world's about to end. So, uh, it's a little like losty in that way. Remember when lost, when there's the, the, mm-hmm. the mysterious. Yeah. So again, I, I, and I don't say that, that, that lost can is lost can be a, um, a bad word, a pejorative in some people's minds because it never really went anywhere. Um, so I'm not saying it's like that in that vein, but, but, but this, I just meant the, the actual plot device of, uh, of a mysterious code that we don't necessarily know the why or what. Maybe we never do know, or maybe we do, I don't know. But point being, um, very well executed Crime Noir by Fraction and Charitier and, um, and Hollingsworth, because I think the color are a big part of this book. And um, I already have pre-ordered the second and third volumes, and I'm glad I did because uh, the first volume was a home run.
1: Nice. Sure looks good. I unfortunately did not order this. I'm dumb.
2: Uh, well, it's Crime Noir. You
1: hate Crime Noir. No, I don't think I do. (laughs) I really don't. So yeah, I'll have to backtrack and get these things. Looks great. It actually reminded me of
2: Last of the Independence, which is digging into the crates, because that's got to be one of Fraction's first comics ever. Yeah. Remember who drew that?
1: Oh, boy. No. Kieran, Kieran Dwyer. Kieran Dwyer. I like I really like Dwyer's stuff a lot. That's another guy that doesn't get a lot of praise because he's been around a long time. And uh,
2: Yeah, one of the people responsible for Fraction and early early influencers um or collaborators with Fraction and Rick Remender.
1: Yeah, Triple X Zombies. Yep. Yep.
2: By the way, uh also condolences to to Rick who who's lost his father. His father passed away. So. Oh god. Yeah. Tough tough couple of weeks on that front. Not to leave um, us on a down, though, but yeah, we Yeah, much love think. to
1: Mr. Yeah. Remender. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for being here with us one more time. If you'd like to experience the 11 o'clock universe, all you got to do is go to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Reddit, and we're all, all over that place, places. Um, go to thepatreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics for another little shard of the 11 o'clock uh, universe please come back Not a shard now. but shard no shard duh. please come back next week or next time because we do have to produce 6 this month Damn, so, that's right we
2: have yeah. guests coming
1: soon we do big doings big doings so, just come back we'll be here waiting for you um with the best in comics. big little and and come big little <laughs> the it's best big and rich. the 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 best in comics and commentary and uh we love you so much for for being here say good night my dudes good night my dudes
2: night, my dudes and dudettes
1: no but you are my dudes you are not female
2: true but we're saying good night to the broader universe are we not
1: yes but it was a command to you say good night oh comma, I see.
2: my dudes Well, I thought you were you were I thought you were gender neutral now, so
1: (laughs) You're so weird. You're (laughs) so friggin' weird. Good night, my dudes. My dudes.